beginning now? All right, fantastic. I am prepared. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another week. You know which movie of yours I love, Mr. Lugosi? The Invisible Ray. You were great as Karloff's sidekick. Karloff? Sidekick? You! Karloff does not deserve to smell my sh that Lammy took a can rot in hell for all I care. What happened? How dare that bring up Karloff? You think it takes talent to play Frankenstein? It's all, all makeup and then grunting. Bella, I agree 100%. Now, Dracula, that's a role that requires talent. Of course. Dracula requires presence. It, it's all in the eyes and the voice and the hand. That's right. That's right. You seem a little agitated. You want to go outside and get some air? I'm ready now. Roll the camera. Roll Stop. Speed. C-97, take one. One. Action. Beware. 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 Take care. Beware. Pull the string. Excellent, wonderful. I can play that every day. It is uh, 8 minutes and 13 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of June, in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, it is Monday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming by. Making a part of your listening day. So forth, we're here in beautiful downtown uh, Portland, Oregon. It's 503-733-2970. If you would like to join us today, and why wouldn't you? 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, two cents, hate mail, uh, whatever it is you might wish to share with us. 503-733-2970. Seventy Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to uh, pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane. All right. Um, huge piles of stuff to get to uh, today. Some of it from last week, some of it from this morning, some of it sent to us just within. It seems like everybody's dying lately. I mean, we're on like the ninth celebrity death in about three stack of them. I mean, celebrities are really dying faster than we can make fun of them. So at some point, we're going to have to institute... There's some kind of life-extending measures just so we can get our one-liners together. It's really getting tiring. <laughs> we do have... I'm not trying to be... I'm not trying to diminish or make light of the deaths of others. I'm just saying we have the best one today, though. We have the best... I know it sounds like a strange thing to say, but we have one of the best celebrities. He's not even really a celebrity. You don't know his name, uh, but you know his work. There's somebody who died, and apparently he died a couple of weeks ago, but they just they just bothered putting out the press release about it. I saw this this morning. I had a whole bunch of people send this to me. So we have... Let's just... So we had Harvey Corman. We had the guy who did the Star Trek theme. We had the guy who wrote The Trouble with Tribbles. Then we have somebody else. Oh, Sidney Pollack. Sidney Pollack died. Yeah. Uh, and then we have at least 
one other sort of legitimate celebrity death today, and then this guy who I will only describe as a... Um, yeah, two celebrity deaths today. Who's the other one? One's a singer, the other is a fashion designer. Oh, that's right. That's right. right. Even you're behind on these deaths. Jesus, well, it's just, it's just coming. I, you know what it is? I feel They're like coming fast and furious. I feel like Lucille Ball on that chocolate uh, assembly line, where the celebrity, the celebrity deaths are coming down faster than I. Can. Oh, I got that. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying. Uh, just as Lucille Ball had to, <laughs> just as Lucille Ball had to just start cramming chocolates into her mouth, Tim. So I have to do that now with you some of the slip. <laughs> I think you're a little late to be doing that. <laughs> I'm the last in line. Earlier. <laughs> Anywho. Thanks for coming. And he was an older man. <laughs> Thank you for coming by. It's Monday, and we're glad you're there. Hope you had a safe and satisfying weekend. It is 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us. 503-733-2970. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Seeing a radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us today as the long, sad, spiraling story of Hillary Clinton comes to its inexorable conclusion. I mean, at some point, maybe today... Maybe next week. Maybe at the convention. God only knows at this point. Um, Steve Kastamon will join us from uh, New York City. We'll talk a little bit about that. But can I just tell you this? Because of that that uh, that New York crane thing, everywhere I went this weekend, it seemed like I was surrounded by cranes. Every single place I went in the city, it seemed like there was one looming overhead. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that, and we'll talk about the Sex in the City uh, weekend grocers. And this will probably be the last day we talk about that uh, film. But... Steve was mouthing some gibberish last week where he didn't think it was going to open at number one, which is insane. Uh, I mean, it opened, it was like $57 million or something like that. Uh, I, the, the only thing I'm really surprised about, I'm not surprised that Sex and the City opened so big at the box office. Boffo Box, as Variety used to say. I, I mean, I'm just surprised that the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was able to hold on to the number two spot. I mean, I really figured that it'd slide down to number three or number four just in its second week out. So, All right. Uh, I went to see the Nadia movie. Oh, Prince Caspian? Yeah, it was How was it? Was it, it was was okay? better than the original. I I'm, understood like half of it this time instead of like an eighth of it like the last time. I was kind of burned in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is why I didn't go to see Prince Caspian. I just, I had uh, I had such love for those books as a kid. And then I went to see, in fact, I don't even think I saw it in the theater. I think I rented it. I rented uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe on a DVD, and it was just a big load. Just a, just a big, I mean, it wasn't completely awful, but it was really disappointing. I mean, for the long... For long stretches of the film, I just found myself kind of looking at my watch and sort of fixing my shoelaces and scratching, you know, scratching my, uh, scratching my, uh, my, uh, my head or whatever, just sort of wondering how long it was going to take everything to play out on the screen. So, all right. Um, when else? Jim Roop will join us today about that fire at Universal Studios, which you were saying that you didn't think it was necessarily that big of a deal because it, Universal City is huge. It's like on two levels. There, actually, three. There's the bottom level where it occurred, then there's the middle level where you have all the hotels, and then there's the top level where you have the studio tour that goes mm -hmm. around and shows you all that stuff, and that's also where City Walk is. And to get to the bottom level, it's like a mile of escalators. So I don't, I don't see how it, it would affect anything. There are a couple of attractions down there that burn, but I mean, that, that's just a very small part. I mean, of I think the it was universe. part of the King Kong ride, and then they said it was, I think it was that main. 
the clock tower set uh, yeah. from Back to the Future. That's the one that everybody's sort of seizing on. Yeah. But I mean, I just sort they of can take read those sets. Well, that's the, exactly. That's my thing. Is I just sort of take it as read that those sets are raised and rebuilt all the time. Uh, I know if you go by the um, we'll Desperate talk... Housewives, they just rebuilt that whole street after tearing it all down for one episode. And uh, and I we'll talk uh, more about this later. But I've I've mentioned that if you go by and you see the Bates Motel uh, exhibit at Universal Studios, that Bates and I'm not talking about the Bates House, uh, the big spooky monster house. I'm talking about the hotel, which is a little one room uh, mo motel. motel setup. Yeah. Where they've taken that down, they've destroyed that and rebuilt that about seven different times now. Next, now it's next to a water tower. Yeah, so... Anyway. But people forget, these are just the facades of buildings. It is just a Potemkin, uh, yeah. Potemkin village. It's to fool the general public, and they do. Uh, let's see, it's what else? Publicity We've got, uh, let's see, uh, I'm just going to go through these watches. I haven't even labeled some of these yet. We've got uh, Geek Watch, Religious Nutcase Watch, Snuff Watch. Arrows of Death. Uh... We um Geek Watch again, Penis Watch, Snuff Watch again, Britney Watch, uh Cannibal Watch, Taser Watch, Taser Watch, Snuff Watch. I mean that's just that's just the stuff I haven't labeled yet. Uh what else? We'll do the uh, top five coming up today. Uh top five songs with a Bo Diddley beat. That'll be the top five non Bo Diddley songs anyway. Uh, top five non Bo Diddley songs that nonetheless have a Bo Diddley beat. Uh, Peter Carlin for the Oregonian will join us uh, today and. Uh, he savaged that new show. Swingtown, that premieres tonight. About life in the 1970s. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm looking at it right here. Apparently, all the adults in the 70s were swinging. All of them, Tim. Every one of them. All right, so we'll talk to Peter Carlin later on today. This is uh, Tim Riley, who's working on the following stories for your edification. And a little bit of breaking news. Ted Kennedy wheeled out of surgery. His brain surgery apparently was successful, and he said, I feel like a million bucks. Uh -huh. I think I'll do that again tomorrow. Right out of brain surgery, flashing that trademark Kennedy smile. That's how everybody uh, hacks right out of brain surgery, Tim. They're able to give glib one-liners to the uh, to the press that are in attendance. So that is good news. Bill Clinton hinting about the end of Hillary's candidacy. Plus, we're going to play some New York woman who uh, was voting or protesting the voting in uh, Florida, which is uh, on the YouTube today. Uh, locally, a Roseburg bear mauls the friend of the man who shot it, the Vancouver man charged with trying to run over a deputy. Those kid-hating Oregon Zoo peacocks are up for adoption. <laughs> a man eats nothing but Mars bars for 17 years. A fellow sets up a meet-a-black-guy booth at the Corvallis Saturday Market. Uh, Craig Preston is suing a co-worker at an 82nd Avenue car dealership for allegedly hitting him in the testicles with a drumstick. <laughs> I don't even know what kind of drumstick you're talking about. There's either A, the actual kind you play drums with, B, the ice cream confection, or C, like the leg of a turkey. I guess we'll have to be listening to find out more. Yes, that's All right. Tease. All that plus uh, many watches on the way. Uh, joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm fabulous. How are you? I am fine. That's what I am. Not great. Not bad. I'm fine at the moment. Yeah, I didn't sleep on the so cusp. well last night. Well, because I went and saw... Um, so yesterday, well, it was a jam-packed fun day. I went um, and Alkaline Trio was actually playing a free show. Uh, they played a free surprise show out on 82nd. So I got to see Alkaline Trio yesterday afternoon. And then went and saw The Strangers. 
Which is the, that's a horror film, right? Yeah, the the first hour of that movie is the goddamn scariest thing I have ever seen. In another, life. it's a foreign film, right? It's not. It's not like it's not an American film. Isn't it from Sweden or something? I don't think so. I mean, it had Liv Tyler in it and the dude who was Felicity's boyfriend. The dude who was Felicity's boyfriend. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. I do. <laughs> I do. Exa- I don't even know his name, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, literally, there are, there are six people in the entire film. It's just this couple in this house, and they're being you know hunted by these creepy people in masks. Like, completely tortured. It was the first, like, hour, hour and 15 minutes. I was shaking. I was so scared. And then, nah, kind of a week ending. But, yeah. um, so I did that all day yesterday. All right, then. Went many movies and shows and things galore this weekend. Fantastic. It was quite fun. Is that the extent of your weekend? Let me ask you this. On a scale of 1 to 10, how clearly do you remember calling me drunk on Saturday night? Oh, that would be a zero. <laughs> do you not remember me at all? You don't remember You don't remember you and Kelsey calling me all drunk on Saturday? Say. Well, I'll just say it. Then. Wait, was it with the when we were hanging we're out? We're in a car the, with the womb stretcher guys, <laughs> yeah. which is exactly the sort of thing you want to just say out loud, you know, in the company of strangers. I'm in a car with the womb stretcher guys. So womb stretcher. We were walking. Uh, we were going to the bus, and then we decided to uh, stop into this bar because Kelsey's like, "Oh, my friend's working. We'll get a drink before we go downtown," and then bumps into the womb stretcher guys. We should we should clarify at this point exactly what we mean when we say the womb stretcher guys. Uh, there is a uh, hip hop. Uh, sort of hip hop rock. It's just these horribly offensive guys uh, called Womb Stretcher the Magnificent. <laughs> yeah, they, it's a band, and they're really, really fantastic, but but really awful at the same time. And so, the phone rings at like 10:30 on a Saturday, and I look, and it's Sarah. And so I answer it, and all I hear is just a bunch of shrieking noise in the background. And it's Sarah, who's clearly—I don't know how many you had at that point, but it was clearly more than a few. Okay. I'm in the car with the Womb Stretcher guys. And then you handed over the phone to your friend Kelsey, who went on and on about how she was wearing a scandalous dress and did I want pictures of it. And I said yes. Uh, so I don't know if pictures are going to be forthcoming. And then I just heard somebody screaming in the background and the phone went dead. <laughs> that was it. It was like no goodbye. There was no like, so I'll see you Monday. It was a whole lot of, and so I'm in the car with the guy. And I love and how concerned it. you are. <laughs> no, You're like, just, okay, I'll just see her Monday. Uh, all right, bye. Yeah. You could have been just like savagely beaten by the womb stretcher guy. could have driven into a logging truck for all I know. I was just like, well, I'll, I'll hear about it later one way or the other. Between that and you calling me Saturday morning about, um, about the Bible Man show. <laughs> so my phone rings Saturday morning around 10 and I just woken up because I got into bed really late the night before. And it's Sarah who's going on and on about how she, they, were, they were apparently broadcasting that show Bible Man on the Trinity Broadcasting Network. Not only Network, Bible Man, but Davy and followed Goliath. Followed by Davy and Goliath. Which she had never seen. And I was watching this horribly offensive racist show, and I'm like, is this really on right now? So she, so Sarah calls me Saturday to tell me that the Bible Man show, about which we have sort of a low-grade fixation, is on. And so we're talking about Bible Man, and I don't have cable at the moment, so I'm not able to watch it. And then she calls me back later, and she's like, there's some other weird show with, like, it's like a claymation dog or something, and it's... Somebody is called Goliath, and I said that's Davy and Goliath, and Tim remembers Davy and Goliath, as do I. That is from a that is from an earlier time uh, in our country's history, and Davy and Goliath was sort of a badly animated uh, show about a, a boy and his dog. It's the Lord's. Uh... I was going to call it cremation, but it's actually cremation. <laughs> um, but it's this bad claymation show about a boy and his dog who learn the lessons of Jesus. Did you ever see the one with the little black boy with the bandaged eyes? No, you. So Sarah, That's the one I was watching. So Sarah was, Sarah was describing this episode of Davy and Goliath that, again, was broadcast on the, on the Trinity Broadcasting Network over the weekend to teach lessons of tolerance, where, let me see if I get the plot right. In this episode of Davy and Goliath, there was a... So there's like a like a black kid who is bandaged, who does not know 
that he's black? For, for some reason, I don't something? think that he realized that he was black. And it was like this little claymation puppet with circles on his eyes and then big X's taped over him. <laughs> and this little puppet doll with X's on his eyes walking around. And, um, and so was it, did he have to be, did he have to have it explained to him why he was... Uh, why the dog kept barking at him when he was walking in the house. Is that true? That's <laughs> just a dog right there. <laughs> okay. No. Um... Yeah, so, like, he walks into this house, all of a sudden the dog starts going crazy because he sees the boy, and he's like, and the little girl's like, why is, and she's asking Davy, she's like, why is he barking? And Davy's like, I don't know, and she goes, is it because he's black? And it stopped, and then, like, the, the dog starts barking, and it interrupts it, and I'm like, are you kidding me? So they're having to teach Goliath, who is the claymation dog, a lesson of tolerance about black youths. All right. It you know, that show is from like 40 years ago, Davy and Goliath. Yeah. It's amazing that it's still on the air, except that I, the Trinity Broadcasting Network, though, must just be sort of like the USA network of God's kingdom, where they just, there are certain stretches of the day where they just have nothing else to, to run. There's just nothing else this to run. This is like there. prime time. This is like 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Well, that, that show was provided to TV stations free of charge way back when, because I remember it when it first came out. It, it was on uh, Sunday mornings. Every so every so often there will be a Davy and Goliath, Goliath uh, parody. I think there was one on The Simpsons, although this doesn't. I th I swear to God I saw this on The Simpsons a while back, but it, it, now that I'm thinking about it, it doesn't seem like a thing The Simpsons would have done because there's a moment where somebody's watching TV and they and they're watching Davy and Goliath and they cut to it, but instead of it staying animated, it switched to real claymation, where they had a claymation parody. Anyway, but but it was where Davy and Goliath were going to bomb an abortion clinic. And it was, so, Davy, should we roll the pipe bomb in double-studded nails? And then it's, you know, and then, and then it's in this shot of an abortion clinic being blown up. And I could see that happening even in the yeah. version that, I'm wa that I was watching. Oh, it's horribly offensive and creepy, but it's great to watch. And Bible Man is the scariest thing I have yeah. ever seen. Oh, yeah, Bible Man's wonderful. Um, all right, we'll get some phone calls here in a second. Just um, I want to—I uh, don't know if anybody else went to see this on Saturday. It was—it was sold out. So uh, the odds are there was probably somebody uh, there as a listener. But if you went to see the Grindhouse Trailer Festival on Saturday, which was just unbelievably righteous. So um, anybody who went to see that at the Hollywood—if you didn't see it this time, you gotta go see it the next time. It was nothing. It was 90 minutes of trailers for old school Grindhouse films, just terrible horror films like the black exploitation films, old. Kung Fu movies, um, like lots of Pam Greer films, you know. Um, she's full of sass, and she'll kick your ass. Oh, She's awesome. Foxy Brown. It was just nothing but 90. It was like real-life machete trailers. That's basically all it is. Uh, it was just it was just unbelievably great. Uh, so it, the next time that comes through town, you really, you really do have to go see it. All right. Um, well, I don't have time to talk about this Indiana Jones thing or to play this. I got a great new, I got a great new vomit sound effect. Um, oh, jeez. Not even a sound effect so much as just a tape of a guy vomiting. So we'll play that here in a bit. i playing it all weekend. Oh, man. Oh, I have. <laughs> you don't even know. I got it Saturday. Saturday, somebody sent me. He's like, hey, check out this video of a guy vomiting. I immediately pulled the audio, and that's what's kept me going all weekend long during the endless downtime of just sitting at home with no life. That's what's kept me motivated, Tim, is coming here today and playing a new vomit sound. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, this is Paul. Hello, hi. Brothers, Freddie listens all the time. I hardly ever listen. Hey, I'm not well, a... thanks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I'm sitting here waiting for my wife at a, uh, you know, killing time just like you were doing there. Hey, is it true you can uh, take uh, some uh, manufactured homes and stack them up three high? My wife wants to remodel my house, and I don't want to... And she wants to tear it down and put some uh, remanufactured houses on top of it. Tim? 
Absolutely. Do it today. Yes. Yeah, I'll take okay. five or six film, film at 11, okay? All right. Hey, hi, Fred. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. People are weird. Hey, I First got a, call uh, of the week. Yes? I got a Dr. Phil uh, anger problem story. Because that guy has a bad anger problem. I know Well, my brother worked on a set in L.A. And um, Can I? They, can we back up for just a moment here? Yeah. Why are you calling about Dr. Phil? Because I heard the recap. Oh, we were talking to Dorothy Cassisari about National Enquirer. Uh, okay. So you're saying, it. now we don't know if this is true. This is, I'm not saying you're making this up, but we're, we're saying that we have only your word that this is a real story, but your brother worked with Dr. Phil? Oh, no, no. You can trust me. My brother. My brother. <laughs> sure, that always holds up. Okay. So your brother worked on the Dr. Phil TV set? Well, no. He worked on, he worked on that set, but he didn't work on Dr. Phil's set. You know, uh -huh. they're kind of all together. Uh-huh. And, uh, but anyway, well, he heard from a guy that... That, that Dr. Phil a guy. Came in. Well, yeah, and uh, Dr. Phil just went freakonomic. Like, just went nuts. He went freakonomic? Uh, oh, yeah, he went balls out medieval. And uh, and it was over, basically. He said that he had $600,000 in his car. And he went back out to his car, and it wasn't there. And so he went. He just went nuts and screaming and yelling and trying to call the cops to get like the, mm -hmm. the valet arrested. But it turns out he just ended up leaving it at home and never even got it in his car in the first place. Excellent. That's a great story, sir. Thank you for calling. No problem. Okay. Don't forget, you can stack manufactured homes <laughs> on top of each other at I'm least six feet. I'm still back. I'm still back on Doctor Phil going freakonomic. I'm going to start using that as a description. That guy went totally freakonomic on me. Um, let's uh, do one more here, and then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. We're off to a strange start this week. Hello, hi. Hello, hi. It's you. Oh, hey, hey, wow. Hey, uh, I remember you guys talking, uh, was it last week, about uh, Nature Bake and Dave's Killer Bread? You remember that? Uh, Dave's Killer Bread. I'm a big fan of that bread, yes. Yeah, it's actually my uncle. Actually, your uncle is Dave? It is my uncle. Dave, I have to do this. is not a paid endorsement or a plug. I'm simply saying this because I like it. Dave, there's this bread, that, and I think it's locally made. Dave's Killer Bread, and it weighs like a 1,000 pounds a loaf, and it's fantastic. It's Currently, it is my favorite bread at the moment. It is. It is great bread, and he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, I heard you guys talking about it. I want to throw his name out there. Not, not for advertising purposes, of course. Well, tell him he needs to pay for any further advertising on this program, but that I am a big fan of his bread, though. It's uh, it's it's very well made. All right. Well, that's good to hear. Thank you, my Wonder. friend. You bet. All right. There you go. All right. That's yeah. a whole batch of weird calls right out of the gate there. Agreed. Okay. All right. It, it's pent-up enthusiasm. <laughs> I would imagine I, for two days. <laughs> I haven't even played the vomit noise yet. All right. Uh, let's take a break here. We'll come back after this. Around the corner, somebody wants to talk to Sarah about sunglasses. And we'll uh, talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins about the slow-rolling disaster that is the Hillary Clinton campaign. Back after It's the Rick Emerson radio program. That's just like I got an email this weekend from somebody asking. I don't have it in front of me. Somebody asking me if there was a, a, a term to describe the reverse jumping of the shark. In other words, where a show sucks for the first two years or so and then somehow becomes good. Oh, I see. Because jumping the shark is, you know, obviously when the show is good and then becomes bad at some point. But you've got a show like Seinfeld or The X-Files. 
that didn't really catch on for the first couple of years and then boom, clicks and somehow becomes a good show. So we'll talk about that later. Okay. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, did you have a satisfying weekend? It was thoroughly satisfying. Really? Yes. Now, for any particular reason, did you uh, spend a lot of time canning for the winter? <laughs> no, but, you know, I do want to make some jam sometime this summer. But, uh, no, you know, it was my first weekend home in uh, almost two months. So that was very that was all I needed. It was nice. So this so it, that's right because you've been on you were on the road you were out doing the political stuff and then you were here and then you were um, and so let's uh, so it was just fantastic and of course I did the girly thing I saw Sex in the City last night and but bizarrely the night before Jason the man in my house actually got us tickets with his friends from work to see Riverdance like so, Michael Flatley Riverdance. <laughs> Michael Sons, Michael Flatley, but yes, it was that same. It was really kind of bizarre. Both of us. I do people go still go to see Rip? Well, clearly they do, but I mean. I think he really just wanted to get to know his coworkers, and he was kind of being nice and, all right, gang, I'm in. Uh, but both of us just sort of sat there kind of staring at the stage. For I mean, There's some phenomenal dancing, but the, the whole thing, especially the in-between with the sort of instrumental music, you're not completely convinced it's live. It, it was just a little weird. How many people were there to see Riverdance? Oh, Wolf Trap. So it was huge. Thousands. A couple thousand, I think. Thousands of people? I don't know if it, it was a, scores of thousands, but a couple thousand. In 2008? I, it's remarkable, isn't it? Going to see Riverdance at this point seems a lot like ordering a Tybo video cassette. <laughs> I mean, it, it just seems like it's a thing that we were all sort of interested in for about 35 minutes. And then we all kind of went, eh, we're moving on now. And, you know, I don't know if this is midway through the tour or if this is a comment on Riverdance itself, but, you know, Wolf Trap is one of those places where they've got the lawn and you can you bring a picnic ahead of time. And so we did, you know, we brought our food and our beverage, and we noticed we sit, we're in there. It's, you know, 6.30, the show's at 8, I guess. And we noticed that the dancers are actually on stage right then, uh, just kind of going through the show in their in their sweatpants. And and they did this for really maybe like a half hour up until right a half hour before the show went on. So I, I don't know if Riverdance if they're kind of like eh let's just meh. Let me ask you this: to the best of your knowledge, is Riverdance is Riverdance like the generic term for a kind of dancing, or is that a brand name? I believe Riverdance is is the brand name of this show, and, and I, I think the kind of dance would be Irish dance. Okay, Irish. so it's some kind of like Celtic clogging of some kind. Clog, tapping really, and much skipping, much. Dancing very straight, straight and narrow is, is the Irish dance. I would put tap dancing skills on the top ten list of things that are really, really impressive, but right. that you study at your own peril because the odds are one in 500 billion that you will ever <laughs> even be able to pay the rent with that skill. I think that's true. I mean, if we did at some point like a countdown of useless but uh, useless but impressive skills, skills that, are maybe, <laughs> skills that are maybe impressive on some level but that have absolutely no financial application, tap dancing would be right there. Gregory Hines, he was the last guy. Well, that's what I'm saying because doesn't it, it? doesn't it seem like in every decade there is sort of one guy that emerges as you know what? Here's another here's another thing like that. Uh, I once knew somebody who was going to school to become a professional poet. What really? And I mean, you almost have to sort of. But I mean, there's really only one job uh, for the, there's the poet laureate, right? That's that's it. And got that? Wait, we've got Maya Angelou right now. She was the last poet actually to, to read an inaugural poem. Wait, Maya Angelou, dead or alive? 
completely alive, endorsing Hillary Clinton. Okay. See, I didn't know. Well, see, I don't know because all I know about Maya Angelou is is a. Uh, my wife has some Maya Angelou quote uh, that's written on like a piece of it's written on like some stylized piece of parchment and it's taped to her bedroom mirror. Right. That exactly. And I know that she pops up on late night talk radio shows a lot, like in a PSA that she recorded in about 1984, where she goes, "I rise." And I don't really even know what the rest of the poem is. It's just her saying, I rise over and over again. And at the end, they say, donate to the Red Cross or something. That's it. <laughs> That's all I know about Maya Angelou. I know nothing else about her. She's also her. very tall. His, and she has an amazing voice. So it does seem like about every decade, there's one tap dancer uh, or, you know, the person who does a kind of stylized dance that becomes famous. Just like every decade, there's one poet that becomes famous. Poet that you so we had, uh, we had uh, uh, Mikhail Baryshnikov. That's true. We had Gregory Hines, and then what happened? Mikhail Baryshnikov and Gregory Hines together in what film? White Nights. White Nights. Nights. Featuring the Lionel Richie song, Say You, Say Me, in the uh, Phil Collins top ten hit Separate Lives. <laughs> you know, I actually did... <laughs> I actually did competitive tap dancing to a song from White Nights. You lie! I you have... are lying to me right now, Lisa Desjardins. I wish I were lying. I'm not lying. You no. did competitive tap dance. Let me understand this now. So in the last <laughs> in the last ten days, we've learned the following things about you. Oh no. A that you 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 sang a song about Jan Brady as part of a Russian punk band. That's true. Named. Dementia. Dementia, yes, that's which, right. Which you said, you said the name dementia it, it sounds a lot better in Russian. And then when I asked you how you said it in Russian, you just said dementia. <laughs> and right, you, because they don't know what it means, right? And yeah. you did competitive tap dancing to the song, to the song. Is it what does the song say? You say me or separate lives? No, no, it's it's the one that they're actually tap dancing to. I don't remember the name of it. It's, it's all instrumental, but it's where you hear the taps in the song. Right. It's very rhythmic. When it's, did you do this? When did I do that? Who? Uh, some uh, uh, mid '80s, late '80s. Please late tell 80s. me that there are photographs of this, or perhaps an embarrassing home Nine, video. Nine. Um, I don't. They're probably at my mother's house. There is some sort of visual something of that. Yes, I don't know. How long were you a competitive <laughs> tapist? <laughs> well, it's one of those things. You know, any kid, kids that take dance know how this works. It wasn't like I was, uh, you know, in this elite core of com competitive tap dancers. You know, I was. In the little regional competitions that the dance, the whole dance gangs would have from your dance school, and we were just the oldest kids at our dance school, and we were, you know, were the kids that were in the special tap group that did the the coolest tap dance, and or supposedly, and and then we uh, went and competed. I don't know how long I competed, maybe for. I don't know, four, four or five years? Not very much. Not very long. I got two other uh, small observations to make about tap dancing, believe it or not. And then we'll, uh, and I swear to you, we'll actually talk about a, a couple current events here before you go. Um, <laughs> one, I do remember a very special episode of Silver Spoons where Peter Billingsley, who then went uh, went on to uh, have some fame in The Christmas Story and as the dirt bike kid, or the BMX kid, one of the two, uh, there was an episode where he was going to school with Rick Schroeder's character, and uh, he, Peter Billingsley, was getting beaten up. And at one point, the bullies sort of cornered him in the hallway, and they were, I swear I swear to God this happened. There's an episode of Silver Spoons where they quarter Peter Billingsley, and, they're, and, who has, and you know that he gets beat up a lot because they gave his character glasses. Therefore... You know, right. the punching bag. And the, the bullies have got him cornered against some lockers in the school hallway, and they're about to give him a savage pummeling. 
when I swear to you, he rolls up his sleeves as though he's going to fight back. Like, he sort of really dramatically pushes his sleeves up and, like, loosens his collar. And you sense that he's about to bust out some sort of, like, some sort of, like, kung fu move or something. And then he just begins tap dancing in the hallway. And the bullies are so impressed by the tap dancing that they all applaud him. And then they, like, high-five him and leave him alone for the rest oh of the season. Oh, my gosh. That's it. Like, the power of his dance is so impressive that it drives bullies away. It turns foe into friend. Wow. Uh, that I gotta and, see that. Wow. Oh, it's terrible. That and I would say that right now, uh, the the tapest or dancer uh, de jour would be uh, Savion Glover. Um, uh, and Savion Glover, of course, was in. I think he was in Stomp or whatever the thing was called. And then he's probably true. And he's kind of the go-to choreographer uh, now. You watch any sort of dancing or tapping in movies. I think he might have done the choreography for Chicago, actually. So. Ooh, that I don't know, but I think you're. You, I think that's a good call. I think All you right. are right about that. Um. Hey. So, uh, real quickly Ooh. before I ask you about global warming, how about Hillary Clinton? Woo! About it. So. There does so Howard Dean and um and Harry Reid and those guys they've all kind of just basically said like like it's over and we're just sort of waiting for the official word. Uh, I mean, the, 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 uh, close. The, you know, it's probably the most telling quote of the day. Now this is being apparently this is first reported by ABC and we're getting the sound in soon. But apparently Bill Clinton speaking in South Dakota today said. Uh, I want to say this may be the last day I'm ever involved in a campaign of this kind. And he kind of, you know, he didn't, he didn't say it with stress. He sort of said it as he was going through, kind of, hey, da da da. Right. But he still, you know, still kind of, and you built really this whole campaign for someone who I think at times has been more disciplined about what he says. He's just kind of, he's just rolling with it. He's just putting it out there while his his wife's campaign really is fighting publicly to make it look like, no, it might not be over yet. We're not saying it's it's not over. You know, Bill is pretty much saying, uh, yeah, this this might be it. Is this, it sounds like a silly question, but is this simply and solely up to Hillary Clinton as to when she kind of throws in the towel? Is it is it her choice only? Yes. It's absolutely up to her. And even more so to some degree because she herself at this point is significantly funding her campaign. So it, it really, it's, it's not just a political call, but it's a financial call. And, and both of those depend on her. This is really like some, this is like every bad stand-up comedy routine about male and female spending habits writ large, where Bill's at home going, honey, I can't believe you spent, put $65 million on the visa, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I, where, where Bill is at home just trying to keep things under control. And meanwhile, Hillary is out there putting $50 million worth of bright, shiny campaign objects on the, uh, on the MasterCard. Right, they're launching, they actually, over this weekend, they've launched, they launched new ads, new Hillary Clinton campaign ads in Montana and in South Dakota, which re- referenced the Puerto Rico vote. So she's she's still, you know, ma- making it making a fight here for South Dakota and Montana, the last last two votes, people. But the deal is after all, I don't know if anybody there, any listeners watched C-SPAN like I did. Poor Jason. We, we really watched maybe seven hours of C-SPAN on Saturday <laughs> as we were doing other things. It was horrible. He was just, yeah, it was awful. Was he but, there like some sort of a coyote in a trap trying to gnaw through his own leg to get out of the house? <laughs> right. No offense. Right. And then adding to it, of course, what did we do right after I turned off C-SPAN? Went to Riverdance. That was the next thing we did. So, But anyone who watched it realized that in the end, all of the kind of fracas and all the really moaning, there, there was actually a shoving match in the Rules and Bylaws Committee meeting. There was uh, a friend of mine who was there said he saw a woman fall on the ground in hysterics, uh, it, that it was just this incredible circus. 
and sort of outcry from the Hillary Clinton supporters because they didn't like how the committee decided to split the delegates. But in the end, it really the the difference is she she did get a little bit closer to Barack Obama, but he is still just about as far from getting the nomination as he was last week. He needs 45, 46 delegates at this moment. And we've got 36, I think, delegates up for grabs tomorrow. So it's really kind of the same deal. He's probably going to get it done in the next two or three days. Puerto Rico, same thing. Not as much of a turnout as Hillary Clinton wanted. She won handily. She, you know, she blew him away. It wasn't, wasn't remotely close. But it still wasn't enough to get her to close the gap. So it, it really, it, it just, it's, it, everyone behind the scenes is confirming that they're shutting down the camp. But even so, a story ran today from Politico saying that, that the Hillary Clinton campaign is asking their advance team, the people who prepare their rallies ahead of time and such, uh, telling them that basically, guys, thanks for the work, your job's ended. That story went out, and then a few hours later, the Clinton campaign said, no, we're not firing anybody. We told them they can choose whether they want to leave the campaign now <laughs> or whether they want to go on the, and then this was a great little quote, whether they want to go on the next trip. Which the next trip. Undefined next uh -huh. trip. So they're still, I mean, they really are doing all the PR they can to make it seem she is still not out quite yet. Um, so I apologize for kind of using up the entire segment here with my nonsense about tap dancing. And, no, I feel like I started um, it. Right? No, it's just before we wrap this up, just to sort of bring it back to uh, bring it back to, to to the street level, as they say. Scale of one to ten, where do you place the Sex in the City movie? Uh, ten. See, I gave it a nine. It's almost perfect, but the ending—I don't know—I I, I was a little dissatisfied. I heard that. You know, it's true. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's it's. But I I still think because I went in with really low expectations. Mm -hmm. So much better than I thought. I know how great it is. I've, I've seen it twice. I'm such a. Oh dog. my gosh! Hey. Yeah, and it's just as better. It's it's even better the second time. Just to, what, you know. What? Wow. Seriously. Let's all give each other French braids. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Lisa. As always, a pleasure. Are you on tomorrow? I'm, I'm here. Yep. All right. We will talk to you then. Have a great day. Okay. You too. There you go. See you on the radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Fantastic. I uh, wish we could fly her up like once a month. Just to come and hang out with us. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right. Well, maybe. Uh, uh, never mind. Um, let's see. Rick and Sarah, I was one of the 10% of the guys in the theater this weekend who got relationship points for going to see. See, here's the thing about me is because uh, we were able to score some, uh, you know, able to score the little the hookup here at CBS. I get relationship points uh, by saying, look, honey, I've obtained tickets for you. Now uh, find somebody to go with. You know what I mean? It's like the hookup sort of cancels out the That's obligation true. to go. You might like it. Well, I'm just saying, I, I don't know, you might you might enjoy the experience. I See, I like almost a feel like your life. it's like if I was going to see it. Like, just to be in touch with the pop culture, I feel like the time to do that would have been this weekend, though. That's mm. my thing. Is I feel like I, if I was going to see Sex in the City, I should have seen it Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'll talk to somebody else who saw The Strangers and see if anyone else thought it was scary. I saw really mixed reviews on that, so I just sort of, I held back. But based on your recommendation, maybe I'll go see it. Because my wife's going to be gone, so I'm going to have like a whole, I'm going to have like a week oh. uh, where I got nothing. It was like so. I was a little kid. Like, I remember when I was in fifth grade and when I saw It for the first time and I couldn't sleep. It was exactly like that because I kept waking up last night expecting one of those little bag-headed people to be standing at the foot of my bed. <laughs> one of those, that sounds, they have these creepy bagheads. That sounds like some sort of, that sort of sounds like some, some sort of, uh, some sort of just created fictitious racial slur. I don't know. I saw one of them bag-headed people at the end of my bed. I don't like them. Bringing down the property values. Like Wait, the all right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. 
Hey, how are you? I'm going to start blaming everything on bag heads. <laughs> I don't even know who they are. Apparently, they're I'm gonna ghosts. I'm going to find you a picture and <laughs> apparently, apparently, there's specters that haunt some house in this movie that Sarah saw, but I'm going to start using that phrase. Well, it's all bag heads. They're the, uh, they're the ones responsible for everything. All right. Hello, Steve. How are you today? Pretty good. Um, all right. So... Uh, a couple things. Uh, so, A, I have to tell you, I'm not trying to make light of this, but everywhere I went in Portland this weekend, I was saying this at the beginning of the show, everywhere I went, and my wife and I kind of, uh, we kind of bicycled through the city on, on Saturday because there's this thing called the Rose Festival going on, and we were kind of going and taking in the spectacle and whatever. But it seems like everywhere I went, there were cranes. Everywhere I went in Portland, I saw some crane, and I'm sort of acutely aware of that right now because they've got this second uh, the crane accident in, in New York. So so here's a really silly question. I know it's only a couple days after the fact, but have they figured out, A, why this happened last week, and, and B, why it sort of happened m more than once recently? They have not figured out uh, why it happened yet. They're investigating a, a part that uh, had been damaged on this particular crane about a year ago and whether it had been put back into service uh, improperly. They're not sure yet. They're investigating that. It's one possibility. Uh, they, so uh, they also did say that these are two different kinds of crane accidents. In other words, uh, the, the collapses happened while the cranes were performing two different uh, jobs at the time. So uh, it's not related. They don't think there's something going on with all these cranes that, you know, that they suddenly all have to be pulled out of service because there's there's a common problem among them. These were two different types of accidents. That was actually going to be my question, is whether they were going to have to have some kind of shutdown or slowdown, because that's just, it, 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 they're one of those pieces of equipment that you don't really appreciate until these, you know, like something like this happens, then you realize, and this sounds like a really dumb, pedantic observation, but you don't really realize that without those, you, you really can't build anything. I mean, it is one of those things that has to work properly. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think I've seen any building that's more than six stories tall that didn't have some sort of a crane. Maybe maybe it's a crane, you know, that that, that can actually drive in. But uh, everything here needs a crane in, in New York. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, real real briefly, just because uh, I know that's part of the last day that it's going to be sort of a big national story. Uh, well, A, did you get dragged to go see Sex in the City this weekend? I did not. I was too busy with the open house and, and the selling uh, of the apartment. That process is going well, uh -huh. but I did what you suggested. The uh, weekend box office, the opening weekend box office for Sex in the City, to take $55.7 million. That would be enough to buy <laughs> 111,400 pairs of $500 Jimmy Choo shoes. Excellent. Oh, Steve, you're awesome. Well done. See, now I feel like even if I were to be struck down by God Almighty today, even if I were to be walking home and if an anvil were to fall on my head, I feel like a small piece of me will live forever uh, because, a, because a CNN sidebar used something that I at one point suggested offhandedly. You, you know, I tried to figure out, you know, if you put the shoes end-to-end, -end, how far they would go or mm -hmm. how many times around the world. But then I realized, you know, they're different sizes, so it really depends on what size you're dealing with. Well, that'll be for, that'll be for the follow-up. That'll be for when it comes out on DVD. Okay. All right. Excellent. All right, my friend. As always, uh, enjoy the rest of your day. We will have uh, speaks with you very soon, sir. Thanks, again. Right, uh, thanks a lot. So long. Thank you, Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Wonderful. I Excellent. put a picture of the baghead on your space. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but this email says, uh, hey, I was one of the 10% of guys in the theater this weekend who got relationship points for going to see Sex in the City with my fiance. 
when I knew there was no getting out of it, I instantly thought of Sarah and said to myself, at least I'll be in the loop for Emerson tomorrow. After painfully purchasing tickets and trying to avoid eye contact and imagined finger pointing from other guys going in to see Iron Man or The Strangers, <laughs> we found our seats. The movie was just what I expected. Enjoyable, amusing, most of all, long. Samantha still steals the show. The best part of Sex in the City is getting to peek behind the curtain of collective women in America and their emotional madness. We did make guesses on what its opening gross would be, and I won with $65 million. Um, let's see. Why don't you do the same thing for the rest of the summer? It's easy, fun, and mainly I would enjoy it over the estimating. Well, I, I mean, I, I sort of knew that it would that it would open at number one. I mean, there's no way for it not to. Mm-hmm. The sort of telling thing will be to see how long it retains the number one spot. And I'm guessing it'll be number one for at least one other week based on strong word of mouth. You know, yeah, and I haven't been pushing my opinion on people, but I have been curious every time someone tells me, you know, if they've seen it and they say that they like it. I'm like, oh, because everyone else is giving it positive word of mouth. I think it's good. I think it has some staying power. You know what? And what I should have suggested to Steve is rather than just do the whole uh, thing of sort of going by and the sort of plate, I think, of just taunting guys who are going to see Sex in the City. I mean, it really would be interesting to examine though the the dynamic among the dynamic among non-acquainted men who find themselves at the same Sex in the City screening. You know what I mean? See, I think a bunch of single men are missing like this huge like niche here. I really think that if that might be a good place uh, to meet women. To go pick up the ladies. Mm-hmm. Well, just to try to look uh, extra stylish and sensitive. I'm really thinking so because you know what? I wouldn't think any less of a man, but if he liked Sex in the City, would you think more of him? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think it would, it would sway me either way. But I don't think that it would at all. I wouldn't. He wouldn't seem emasculated in any way. I do love the idea though that he's at the movie theater. This guy and he's trying not to make eye contact with other men. That he's another guy like I'll take three Shame. for I'll take three for Iron Man and a huge soda, you know. And <laughs> meanwhile, oh, yeah, for Sex in the City. And the thing is, when you when you're a guy, I think, and you're you, you, someone hears you. I mean, I have one word for you, sir. That word is fandango. Because when you, when when another guy hears you saying, it's like the self checkout at Fred Meyer. Nobody needs to know what you're buying. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it is. I'll take uh, three of these home pregnancy tests and like a hundred condoms. Um, you know what? I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's. I mean, everybody sort of knows. Everybody can kind fandango of put it together. Home pregnancy test of the movie world. Seriously, I mean, it's like you know. What are these? I'll take uh, I'll take three jars of Vaseline in this turkey baster, and uh, that'll be it. No, I don't need to. And then, and that's when you get the price check on a turkey baster and three things of Vaseline, all five. Um, and so the, the, that's when you, you know when you see a guy at the movie theaters, um, two for six in the city, please. And every guy immediately knows what's going on there. Like that, it tells you that reveals all about the relationship dynamic. And I would guarantee. I would be interested in talking to the women who are the other half of that relationship to see like what the woman is like. Like if she's if, if she's just like has beaten the soul out of the man or not. <laughs> or if they're really like have a balance, like, okay, it's her turn to pick a movie. Well, you know, Don Geronimo and his uh, and his wife Frida uh, had this thing, which I have thought about instituting. I've thought about instituting this at my home where I am king. Um, I've, thought, I've, thought about, I've thought about informing my wife that this is how things will be. Uh, but, they, uh, but Don and Frida had this thing where they would pick. They would alternate. So... You know, on Saturday, uh, whatever, one Saturday, he gets to pick the movie. The next, it was mentioned every other movie. Mm-hmm. So every other movie he got to pick and every other movie she got to pick, which seems like a really fair way to do it. Um, Laura and I actually don't have that many disagreements about what, what to go see because she's kind of, she has pretty broad taste. Like she went to see this Grindhouse trailer festival with me, which was just freaking genius. Um, 
But I've thought about that at all because there are every now and again, it's like, because I finally had to see Iron Man myself because she just, she wasn't into it. She's like, I just don't care about Iron Man. She's like, if you make me go see it, fine. Like, if you demand that I go see it, I will. She's like, but I just don't care. Well, that's and just so, kind of it. I don't care either. Like, everyone keeps telling me how good it is. I'm like, it's really oh, good. I can do without. It's really good. It's not reinventing the wheel, but it's good, solid superhero entertainment. I I'll should be at the Baghdad. Yeah, it's it's a fine. That's it's a fine place to see. Mm. There's no there's no real need to. Uh, I've already forgotten about it. Yeah, but I mean that's you know uh, you know what I remember it's about less it. Less filling. The thing about Iron Man is this: I don't remember a whole lot about the film as such. I just remember that Robert Downey Jr. was really good. Yeah. That's the thing. You kind of look back and you go, it's like when you think back on a meal, you know, and you go, boy, that meal was really great. You know, maybe not remember every little ingredient that you had. You just go, yeah, that place had really great food. What'd you get? I don't know. I forget. It was like some chicken basil thing, maybe. I don't know. It was really good, though. The that part, it was, it was only like two weeks ago. Yeah. Now, that, it is a little too long uh, for my taste, but Robert Downey Jr. really, uh, he sells it. And, I quite, and I'm not like the world's big, they were talking about a movie like a month ago, but I... Uh, I'm not the world's biggest Gwyneth Paltrow fan, but I uh, I liked her a lot. Uh, let's see here. Well, let's do a couple Sex in the City calls, then we'll uh, uh, take a break and do the uh, noon news hour. Hello, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hey, Rick, it's Grant, Hello. long-time listener. Hello, sir. Uh, I just needed to chime in real quick because uh, Sarah had mentioned that we, as men, may be missing out on picking up on chicks for the Sex in the City, uh, Sex in the City type screening. Now, the issue with that is I've been listening to your station for way too long, and I've been listening to The Professor. And the kind of girl that you would pick up at that type of a movie would probably be the ones that would want you to buy your $10 Cosmos all night long in order to be told that uh, all you get to pick on the cheap you at know, the end of it all. That's actually a, a good thing. That it's a good, somebody ought to be, I don't know if Tom will talk about this today, but he really ought to be. Somebody ought to tip, tip to him oh, that he should talk like about this. Because yeah, I mean, because it seems to me like the women that really enjoy that type of movie or, you know, show for that matter, are really Here. harboring illusions of excessive materialism and such. And, <laughs> See, and this is what I was yeah. talking about. This was my secret shame about loving the show because I hate being associated with that kind of woman. Cause yeah, and I know you're not that kind of gal, Sarah. You seem like way too earthy and, you know, earthy. the common man Unshaven. or common woman such as it is. You know the but other yeah. stinky. The <laughs> the other thing about the women who go to see Sex in the huh? City, and this is the this the other reason why Tom. This is just my read on it. He he may right. he may not say this, but my my speculation is that Tom would also tell you not to pick up women or to try to pick up women at Sex in the City because why? He always tells you to beware the woman who is out with her girlfriends. Oh yeah. As as Tom's, and I think he's really right about this because Tom is really accurate about a huge chunk of the things that he discusses. He, Indeed. a girl who is out with her girlfriends will never go home with you. If you, oh, no. a girl who's out with like her three best girlfriends at the bar will never, ever, ever. I mean, almost never. Oh yeah. Break she away to go look home like with a you. Hoe to the other girls. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I fully understand that. And so but... she will instead just extort drinks out of you for her and all of her friends, and then go home laughing at you. Yeah, so I read that play from a mile away. Thanks for the advice, Sarah, but uh, we'll take our chances elsewhere. Yeah. Okie dokie. Thank All you, right, sir. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs> One more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I'm just trying to you help. Hey, Rick, hi, Sarah. Girl, you. I Hello. never watched the series. Does the movie hold up if you never watched the series? Would it make sense? As standalone entertainment. I think it would make sense. I think there are some, um, definitely some of the relationships that have continued on in the movie. It helps to probably know the background story, but... Oh, I, I think that it might still be, you know, kind of like mindless entertainment. I, I think you'd enjoy it. Okay. Well, I have never watched it and wasn't going to go because I didn't know any of the relationships. Yeah, so. it's just a, it's just a kooky, fun movie, and they definitely they have this montage at the beginning of it, too, that kind of gets you up to speed on um, some of the past history with the characters, and so you kind of do figure out what, what had happened to them in the series. Okay. Well, thanks, Sarah. I will go check it out. Thank cool. you. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, Tim Riley, have ye news for us? Oh, yeah. How exciting. That'll give me a chance to label like these 500 watches that we haven't gotten to yet. 
All right. We'll take a break. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. And why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Boy, Dan, we're behind. It's 503-733-2970. This is Tim Reddit. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The cop of the coup struggled with the guy during a traffic stop. The man took off briefly and tangled the officer in a seatbelt. The cop received minor injuries last night. He was able to pursue the uh, runaway vehicle. Apparently, they spotted the guy on Northeast 10th Avenue. The vehicle was seen parked on the side of the road. Deputies say he quickly got into the suburban. Uh, police say the suspect put the vehicle in reverse and attempted to drive over the officer, but he fired at the suburban, striking the front driver's tires. After a short dispute, the driver ran into a field. A police dog located him. He's uh, been identified as Justin Shelton. He's 26, 26. He looks like he's in his 60s. He's been booked into Clark he, County. Is Look he one of the guy. faces of meth? No, he's just a, this huge, hairy, fat blob. <laughs> so not one of the faces of meth. No. He's <laughs> just, just a meatball with hair. Wearing a white beater. He's one of the, it's one of the faces of beef stick and cheese. This guy is not 26. That's you are lying to me. 26. Wow. He's lived life <laughs> in Vancouver. He's, he's drunk deep from the cup and plate, I would imagine, of existence in the mm-hmm. coup. Jesus. Oh, and you know he he's, stinks. He's both the cup and the sauce. <laughs> you know, you just look at this guy and you get a good idea of how he probably smells. All right. You bet the ladies go for him. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. This is a guy, I'll tell you, that this guy sits in front of the television in loose gray sweatpants, scratching his groin a lot. That's exactly what this guy does. I can tell from looking at him. All right. That really is too bad. <laughs> That's life in the coop. What's his name? His name is um, uh, Justin Shelton. I wonder if there's Mrs. Shelton. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, there you go. Fantastic. Then employees at the uh, Wilsonville Chevrolet dealership are cleaning up after a big mess. Uh, apparently, this happened at a uh, Wilsonville Chevrolet. Clackamas County deputies were called to the business at uh, 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon after employees discovered that the windows of at least 26 new automobiles have been smashed and expensive navigator radio systems have been stolen. Damage estimates between seventy and $100,000. Uh, Clackamas County Sheriff's Office is investigating the theft. They're offering a reward. Hopefully, it had some closed-circuit cameras. They really made a mess out of that place. Jeez. Oh, did I forget to tell you we have a brand-new sponsor here? Lapes Auto Collision Centers and Lapes.com. Call today and find out what Lapes can do for you. One of the our, new sponsor of our Noontime News. One of our many proud advertisers. So welcome, yeah. welcome aboard. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Um, did the Grand House Trailer Festival you went to mirror the South by Southwest Festival? Uh, how do you mean? Well, like um, Black Mantis. Dead Noon, Kong of the Dead, any of those? Um, no, there was, I mean, they had a bunch of black exploitation stuff. They had Scream, Blackula Scream. Uh, they had um, um, uh, uh, Black Samurai, uh, which was great. 
there was uh, two different Pam Greer films. Uh, one of them was that they had the trailer. The the Grindhouse uh, Trailer Festival, which uh, our friend Siegfried tipped us off to because he always kind of keeps us in the loop and the stuff. It was just, it was about 85 minutes or so of trailers for these old 70s sort of Grindhouse B. I mean, they call them B movies, really. It's not even, the, 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 it, it really, if anybody has seen the Tarantino Rodriguez film Grindhouse, the, the, these are, you know, trailers for real films from that genre. And um, they had the original Foxy Brown trailer, and then they had this trailer there's this movie that i have to find i'd never even heard of it it was pam greer and some other a bunch of other gaggle of women and it was set in ancient rome and it was where pam greer is a gladiator but of course a gladiator because she has huge cans a gladiator in a, in a bikini and so it was like and it was and they were the women were of of, of all different sort of races and slaves uh, and, and backgrounds they were all slaves and so it was and so it was all, they would just have these endless shots in the trailer of like of like really well endowed women in like fur bikinis, sort of greased up and matted, and slaves for the pleasure of their captors, forced to love, forced to fight, and so it would like cut from some hot lesbian action to like Pam Greer and some other woman, each of them with like a sword, it while like Titus the Emperor or whatever looks. And it was just like the worst looking movie, but it looks fantastic. Um, the uh, the South by Southwest uh, Grindhouse Trailer Festival. It was. People that made these really well-made fake trailers for movies that don't exist. Right. And the winner gets to make their own movie. Ah, uh, that's pretty cool. Well, uh, that, they're all on YouTube. You should look it up, South by Southwest. That was sort of originally the plan with the Grindhouse movie that Tarantino and Rodriguez put out, where they had those fake trailers like Machete or that one that was like Nazi werewolves in heat or whatever the hell that Rob Zombie trailer was. And they were originally going to make those all into their own films, and then the movie Grindhouse didn't, didn't do too well, so that's not going to happen. But, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty great. They had, they had the trailer also for, here's how you know that you've led a really um, misspent life, by the way, when you've just wasted your youth. I was sitting there watching all these Grindhouse trailers, and there were about four in the middle for movies that I had actually seen, uh, like the Toolbox Murders, which came out in 1978, and it was, and it's just a guy setting down a blood-covered toolbox and then bringing out like a drill and a nail gun. There was that. There was one for a movie called Eyeball, which is about a, a killer who's, who's I think trademark is that he like stabs you in the eyeball after you're dead or something. There was that, and there was one for um, a movie called The Exterminator. And the trailers all have that one guy doing the voice. He cleans up crime. He loves little ladies. You know, they, they, they're all done like that. And I remember sitting down to my wife going, hey, the toolbox murders. I've seen that movie. And then she sort of looks at me with that mixture of sort of sort of surprise and sadness. So, all right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Here's Tim Riley. Where was that? Over? He reads Where the news. That? I was at the Hollywood Theater. Oh, over on the east side. Uh, yes. Well, I, I ended up on the east side myself <laughs> By over the weekend. No, I was uh, attending a dinner engagement, and I got stuck in that damn parade <laughs> because they closed the southbound exit to go onto I-5 for some ridiculous unknown reason. So I was forced to drive into the... Well, I didn't hit the crowd, of course. They closed, they closed the... Which exit where? I-5 southbound right. at the Morrison Bridge. All closed. right. Really? Well, well, why? And they forced you to drive into the crowd leaving the parade. <laughs> Is that going to be your defense? They forced me to drive into the crowd. I had no choice. As I, I was going to pull over and remove the barricade. <laughs> I, you know, back when I was, uh, well, I guess I can talk about this now. Uh, back when I was um, a younger man and, and cared less about consequences, 
Um, there were times actually when, especially when I lived up until I lived in, you know, when I lived in Utah, when I was like 20 and 21, occasionally, and my friend Tava did this too, we would see road construction that we just decided was unnecessary or roads that were blocked off and didn't need to be. And we would actually just pull over the car and get out and just remove the sort of, like you'd see those cones because they would do this thing in Utah where... They were going to be working on a long stretch of road, let's say, but they can only get like 100 yards a day done. I mean, the course of one day, like nine to five or whatever, they were only really able to work on like 100 yards of road. But I think just because they didn't want to bother to do it the next day, they would take those yellow traffic cones and they would close the road for like four miles. I mean, for no reason. And so we would have no problem just pulling over in the middle of the night, just moving all the cones up the side of the road because there was no reason for them to be there. So it sounds like you ran into the same kind of thing. And darn it, why did they do it? I had my whole route planned to get home, and all of a sudden, the lane is blocked off. You can't get in onto I-5 southbound yeah. to go home. Now, do you have a GPS? No. Oh, you really ought to invest in a GPS. Now, do you have a good sense of direction? Yes. Okay, so because I don't. I've driven cross country by myself. Yeah, see, and, and the, the GPS is perfect for somebody like me because I, I have had, like, MapQuest, you know, as much as people sort of use MapQuest occasionally, you will be using MapQuest and one of the roads they tell you to take is closed or, you know, it's blocked off or there's construction. And that's when I, my whole life just goes into the goes into the crapper. Because I, because if I, I mean, if, if I have to deviate from those MapQuest instructions even the slightest bit, I will never get to where I'm going. And you will find me dead by the side of the road. I'll look like one of those, um, I'll look like one of those North Face backpack ads where it's just my skeleton bleached out in the sun. So the GPS is perfect, because if you miss your turn, the GPS will put you back on track. Oh, man, but I, I was forced to, you know, try to take a left through, through this crowd of knuckle draggers <laughs> with 10-foot tall balloons all crossing the street at once, all selling selling cotton candy and glow sticks for no yeah. reason. Uh, and it was late. It was after 9 o'clock. Now, was that the Starlight Parade? Whatever it was. That was this, this, this would have been Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, the Starlight Parade, I think. I managed to avoid that altogether. Yeah, I, uh, I tried not to. You know, that's, that's, it's my fault for going over to the east side. Well, you know that song, I Love a Parade? That's a lie. No one loves a parade. No. No one. No. I mean, I just... It, uh, never mind. Never mind. Because they get like tens of thousands of people there for, the, for that thing. And you do, sort of, you do sort of look at people who are standing there for hours on end to watch a car drive slowly by... And you and people kind of roll around in your head like, what is it that they're getting out of this experience? What what need inside of this person is being satisfied by watching cars slowly drive by and seeing a total stranger wave in your sort of general direction for five seconds? I mean, that must satisfy something in the American psyche, but I don't know what it was. And there are tons of people out there. You know where there were tons of people this weekend, Tim, where at the, they were at the, the waterfront, the Rose Festival Carnival thing? Oh uh, yeah, where my wife and I we didn't we didn't go in, but we were sort of there hanging out in the park this weekend because it was it was really nice. Have you seen that ride, that one ride that is closest to the Hawthorne Bridge that's that's functioning down in the park right now? No. I it, the only way I can describe it. I went. I rode my bike down to the road. Jesus, festival. there's that is this the scariest looking ride. You really ought to go check it out, Tim, just so you can recoil in horror. Did you see people on it? Damn straight, I did. Um, I, it? it's it's the only way to describe it. And people who have seen this ride, you know what I'm talking about. It's at that carnival setup thing that's uh, that's that's down there by the by the uh, Hawthorne Bridge for the Rose Festival. It is a ride that can only be described as looking exactly like a huge two-armed windmill, mm-hmm. like a big, you know, like a windmill, but not with four arms, only two. Okay. Or you know, and at the end of each arm is a tiny little cage with two seats in it, and 
you but it's ju- not even a cage. Like they're not even caged in. Oh, they're just seat belted in. Oh, <laughs> so it's imagine so wrong. Yeah, imagining a huge two armed windmill, and at the end of each arm, just putting two seats with seat belts, and they get in there, and it just goes and just spins you around really quickly, and it's massive. I mean, I would imagine it's going. I mean, it's going several hundred feet into the air, and the people who are riding that, I think I've just passed the age where I find such things interesting or or, or enjoyable. Because my wife and I, we rode our bikes down to the park, and we were just sort of sitting there, like, reading. It took some books, and we were just kind of reading in the sun, because it was a nice day and whatever. And, but our reading kept, be, kept being interrupted by the terrified screams of patrons. So I'm trying to read, you know, Chapter 7, Sense and Sensibility. And meanwhile, you hear that, you know, you know across, and you sort of look over, and you're just expecting to see a whole lot of lunch being lost on that thing. So. That's why we were watching it. We are just waiting to see someone oh, throw up. God. Did you? No. No, no, not. nobody threw up. But there was like two girls. Um, when I watched it, it was two girls. And they were, they looked like they were having a grand old time. I think centrifugal force being what it is, though, if you threw up, I think the vomit would just stay with you. I don't think it would go anywhere. I think it would just sort of hover in front of you. Yeah, I spent a, a long period of time staring at that, too. I, I meant to just glance at it, and I ended up watching it for 20 minutes. Freaks me out, because you want to be, okay, here's why. Because you want to be the person watching when one of the bolts comes loose and the thing rolls down the hill into the river. So you can be on the news going... Well, I just happened to be there, and uh, first I knew uh, is when I heard a shearing sound, and then the squealing of metal, and then the squealing of bone on bone as oh. it plunged into the Willamette. Damn straight. Here's Tim Riley. So we'll take a break from local news for just a second, because I want to play you this uh, Hillary Clinton supporter who was thrown out of the Rules Committee meeting over the weekend. She's from New York, hence the accent. But this is a Hillary supporter, and it's making the rounds on YouTube, so here it is. An older American woman. Where are you from? New York City. No. Hillary State. The best nominee that's possible. And the Democrats are throwing the election away. For what? An inadequate black male? Wow. Who would not have been running had it not been a white woman that was running for president. And I'm not going to shut my mouth anymore. I can be called white. Oh, don't you want to meet her husband? That's not my America. It's equality for all of us. It's about time we all stood up for it. The husband's in San Tropez with a nanny. Citizens. Right, we're not and goddamn the Democrats. Where are you from? I'm from Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> That's in the city. It's one of your people, Sarah. Thank you. The CIA, the FBI. We couldn't even find out where this convention was being held. Yeah, my name is Harry Christian. C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. I came here for the vote of every American. And our Democratic Party threw us down the tubes. I was a second-class citizen before. Now I'm nothing. Why? Because they want to do what they want to do. And they think we won't turn and vote for McCain. Well, I got news for all of you. McCain will be the next president of the United States. Harriet? Harriet? Christian Lee. I love people who have news for you. People who have, I've got some new, I love people who news for you. They're the other people, those are the same people that are always going to tell you something. Let me tell you, so don't tell me, I'll tell you. All right, what is her name? Harriet Christian? Yes. Yes, Harriet, everything is a plot against white people from Manhattan. Now she's Jesus. a third class citizen. Uh-huh. Yeah, whatever. All right, you'll be missed. Jesus. Uh, a black guy booth livens up the Gravala Saturday market. Uh, let's see here. A black eye booth? A black guy booth. 
Those who participated, apparently, they offered something uh, bizarre at the Corvallis uh, Saturday Market. They had a booth called Meet the Black Guy. Wow. That's what it says here. It is a statement about diversity in Corvallis. It is not a very diverse place at Oliver, lifelong Oregonian. He hoped to promote understanding, break stereotypes, and perhaps even provide a comic moment for hundreds of people strolling along the riverfront. Is Oliver the black man in question? Yes, he is. Is there a photo of Oliver? Yeah. All right, with, with his lovely wife and child. Uh, the uh, booth drew a mixed reaction. I think this is hysterical. The entire market's great, said one. It's, so, a, it's a clever way of engaging people with dialogue about the need for more diversity. It caught me by surprise, said Annette. <laughs> uh, Sherry from Corvallis said the booth is unnecessary. Well, she sure. and her friend Ron said they have black friends. <laughs> I don't care what color people are. Either uh -huh. you're a jerk or you're not. <laughs> I think it's degrading and a bit low class in the Seiko. He added he wouldn't set up a booth uh, saying for people to meet someone in a wheelchair like him. <laughs> they, that's too bad. I'd go to that. Uh, excellent. So about 50 people signed up to receive email from the black guy, including their free photos and several other stuff by the booth, asking questions. What questions would you possibly They, they don't know if the black guy will be back next week. <laughs> But if they are, the sound will also say, meet a Jewish white guy. <laughs> I've been in the sun all day. It's hell on my bunions. That is so great. That's Can from you, the, cassette, set, the Cassette Times. Can you set that aside? we got to get him on the show. All right. All right. That'll be fun. Richie, I think we need to, I, I think we need to, what is his name? His name is Oliver, Jeff Oliver. Mm -hmm. All right. We need to find 21-year-old Corvallis resident and black guy, Jeff Oliver. Oh, great. <laughs> the booth is unnecessary. Listen, this is so great. <laughs> listen, listen, to the, listen to this. Um, Sherry Field of Corvallis said the booth was unnecessary. She, she and friend Ron Nasco said they have black friends <laughs> and would be voting for Barack Obama for president. There you go. <laughs> See, there is some diversity. That is so great. All right, wonderful. You can read the whole story on my, uh, my website today. Genius. Here's Tim Riley. So you know why those uh, those kids get hurt when their uh, their bleachers fell down at their school the other day? We talked about this Friday. It seems the metal thieves came out and uh, took all the pieces off the bleachers, hurting those children. This would be more, this, see this would be another story for our Tim Riley on meth segment. Mm -hmm. uh, the metal thieves uh, caused the injuries to the six elementary school children. None are life threatening though. Others have seen more minor injuries. They retreated at the scene. So call the police if you know who stole the metal out of the children's bleachers. Uh, from Cottage Grove comes word, a 24-year-old man is facing the loss of his arm after getting a second of wood chipper. <gasps> it he's happens a lot. He's facing the loss of his arm? Uh, yes, he's facing the loss of his arm, it says here. The man whose identity has not yet been released, well, he shouldn't be hard to find, was working in Cottage Grove with a friend. <laughs> he's busy killing Richard Kimball's wife. Uh, he was he was uh, doing some wood chipper work with a friend and either severed his arm or nearly severed it. We don't know for sure. How would you not know? The arm is either there or the arm is not. I know. That doesn't. What's the X factor there? Uh, he's being treated at Sacred Heart Medical Center. Oh, I see. Maybe, it's unknown. Yeah, because maybe we'll have to have it amputated if there's, like, some kind of something going on. That could be. Like, what? if he has an infection, maybe they're not sure if... An infection. I would really think that an infection would be the least <laughs> of your worries at this point. I mean, really, does, do you think I'm an infection is a... An, an infection would be a minor... No, no, no. It's, uh, the real problem is this tattoo. Uh, all right, well, there you go. So this comes to us from a party who's already in Willamette Week. It says here, a man has filed suit after being whacked in the testicles with a drumstick. 
In a lawsuit filed in Multnomah County uh, Circuit Court, Craig Preston claims a co-worker hit him in the testicles with a drumstick at Auto Lane, an auto dealership on Southeast 82nd. Of course. The lawsuit claims that Preston suffered a left testis contusion, a bilateral leg numbness, testicle and groin pain, scrotum tenderness, and testicular <laughs> trauma as a result of the blow. Testicular trauma. And scrotum tenderness. Uh, the man who struck Preston is identified in the lawsuit only as Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> Why, that's terrible, Tim. <laughs> the lawsuit alleges Preston's bosses at Auto Lane had notice and knowledge that Scotty was negligently and or intentionally swinging drumsticks around the workplace but failed to exercise reasonable care. Wait, these are, so are these musical drumsticks? It doesn't say. Uh, so, uh, Preston's medical bills, let's see, total $1,281. Well, that seems like a small price to pay for physical health. he wants $4,218 for pain and suffering. So, let me understand this. So, there's, there's a guy swinging drumsticks around. That's what it says here. Yeah. And then he hits Scotty, Scotty whose last name is not known. He hits Scotty in the testicles, causing yeah. him scrotum tenderness. Scrotum tenderness. And testicular trauma. Scrotum tenderness. Testicle and groin pain, too. <laughs> Bilateral leg numbness. Groin. Test. I, I keep wanting to make like a... contusion. I, I keep wanting to make like a growing pains joke, but it's groin pains. Mm-hmm. Groin pains. Instead of growing pains. And scrotum tenderness, it's echoing in my head as though there is a pun that I know, but just can't conjure up right now. We can bring this story back. Yeah, tomorrow. well, I'll, I'll think on it. All right, let's do uh, one more here. We'll take a break. Uh, father and son shot each other during a family argument in Grand Ron. Uh This happened inside the Wright home over on Andy Riggs Road. Uh, the Polk County deputies get calls from nearby residents saying two people are shooting at each other. Uh, when they got to the home, they found both 47-year-old James Wright and his son, 25-year-old Jeremy, both injured from gunshot wounds. Uh, James was the most seriously injured. He was flown to a hospital. His son, uh, Jeremy, was taken to McMinnville Hospital, so it couldn't have been that serious on him. Uh, Sheriff Bob said the initial investigation indicates that alcohol helped fuel the family argument, which grew more and more heated till they each pulled a gun and shot each other. <laughs> but that didn't stop it. The injured man scrappled, grabbed the gun, and shot the other one again. Deputies are still trying to figure out who fired first, father or son. A handgun was recovered at the shooting scene. Okay. Um, let's take a break here. We'll come back after this. Uh, many, many watches uh, to come. Uh, we also have seen a radio correspondent, James Rupp, who will join us later on. Today's top five non-Bo Diddley songs that feature the Bo Diddley beats. Uh, oh, we also have this great vomit noise we'll get to next. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You and Tim are probably uh, aware of this, says this email, but I thought you might be able to uh, have some fun with the story. Anyway, they banned drinking on the tube in London. Oh, yeah, I have that. So do you have the story from CNN where they have these quotes? There's oh, some re- man, that sucks. There's, yeah, some no. really, there's some really great quotes. Um, the story has the line, many reports say the night began good-naturedly, which is how you know that you're always going to read something fantastic. Uh, so we'll get to that here just a while. So, uh, yeah, apparently I didn't, but see, I didn't know you could drink on the tube. Yeah, I was shocked. Even on buses, there were people drinking. Oh, like, that's, yeah, we would pre-funk every time we'd go out, we'd uh, get on the tube, and we'd each have like a giant beer. <laughs> Not anymore, Tim Riley. Not anymore. They're becoming more like us. It's that's true. The problem Democracy is. on the march, Tim. Mm-hmm. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, so anyway... 
let me tell you about this. That story we had about the uh, the black guy at the uh, the county fair came yes. to us from Corvallis. And this comes to us from that same newspaper, the Corvallis Gazette Times. Are you familiar with that publication? I am not. Wait, is that, what was the newspaper? Do you remember we went to see Don Rickles? And there was that older lady who sat down next to us. Oh, yeah. And she was the, the editor or the publisher or something of some, like, small town, like some small burg, picayune-type newspaper. As a matter of fact, first, she gave me her business card, which was in black and white. And after she <laughs> found out that we were from Portland, out came the full color cards. <laughs> she gave me the mimeographed uh-huh. business card. Into Portland, Oregon. Wait, hold on a second. Let me give you these ones I just made at the Kinko's. Fantastic. Uh, so I don't know if that's... I believe it's like the, the seagull and bugle or something. <laughs> Two things that have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> I don't know if this is where she was from, though. But, yes, this is a, a similar small-town newspaper you're reading from now. So uh, this is the public safety report. There's nothing funnier, and we've all worked in small towns before, where we had to go out, many of us, to check the local police board oh, yeah. and actually report it as actual news with a straight face every uh-huh. day. And... Uh, Small towns are full of stuff like this. This is from the public safety report, the police blotter, apparently, from Corvallis. And it describes what's noted here as a bad situation. And here it is. I'm reading it word for word from the police blotter. A person holding an open house in the 200 block of Montgomery Street, northeast, asked police about 2 o'clock in the afternoon Saturday to do something about two drunken men standing in the middle of the street. One was too drunk to walk, and his pants had fallen to his ankle. <laughs> This is 2 o'clock in the afternoon. This is getting an early start. One man appeared to be clenching his stomach. Police had one of them sit down on a bench out of view of the open house until he sobered up. Imagine if that's your job as one of the cops, not to actually get rid of him or do anything about it. Just if he's going to sit there with his pants down and his, his clutching his stomach, just to do what we're people who are at the open house can't like have direct line of sight. That happened to me once. Really? Yeah, I was having an open house. I was trying to sell one of my houses. A man dropped his pants? Uh huh. And he passed out right at the intersection, right underneath my open house sign. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, less so for you, I would imagine. But yes, because uh, I wanted to get my sign back, and here he is, like clutching it <laughs> with his pants down and passed out, tongue hanging out. Why would his pants even be down? Drunk's pants are always falling down, <laughs> and they're always exposing things you don't want to see. <laughs> I guess. I guess that's true. Uh, Let's see if we have. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Uh, homeowner reported at 1.21 a.m. that somebody went through his front door and, uh, stole a collection of baseball cards. Also, $50 worth in cash. And, of course, as everywhere else, they're still in copper. About 600 feet of copper were taken from the old mill. Uh, it's, uh, the old mill's in Sweet Home. The welding leads were also taken off four welders, whatever that means. You know, I have a question about this metal theft that we start talking about, uh, about, about at this time every day. Is this happening in the rest of the country as well, or is this like yeah. a Northwest-specific problem? No, I think it's everywhere now. I mean, it, I, because I haven't seen, and maybe you have and I've just missed it, I haven't seen much in the way of national coverage about this. Uh-huh. It seems like the sort of thing that there would be, you know, like some sort of some sort of nationwide discussion about this. I mean, there's a lot of local stories about it, mm-hmm. but there seems like the sort of thing that, I don't know, We as much as we make fun of it, I think might actually pose a real problem at some point. This is how Chernobyl happens, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where you try to, we it's, because we're sort of turning into our own little Russia uh, in terms of things being stolen, because in Russia they would just steal everything to, you know, to either sell for vodka money, or they would just, there was that famous story that we talked about where 
they tried to open the bay doors at some sort of like a, like a missile silo for testing, and they couldn't get the doors to open because somebody had drained out the hydraulic fluid to drink because it was vaguely alcoholic in some way. You know, so like, you know, so uh, Ivan and Chester or whoever, whoever is supposed to be sitting there watching the missiles, instead of just got like a big hose and a funnel, and they're just drinking the hydraulic fluid out of the missile silo bay doors. This sort of seems to be our own version of that, and I think it's only a matter of time Till somebody at, oh, I don't know, like a nuclear power plant goes to press a big button that's supposed to do something safe, and instead it doesn't work because the whole button and all its mechanisms have been stolen by, you know, one of these guys to sell for $12 worth of meth. So uh, somebody's sitting on the missile waving a cowboy hat. <laughs> it does seem like this is the sort of thing that we ought to take a serious look at because I... I sense that it's going to become an issue at some point in the future, but maybe that's just me. Or they're going to have to stop making things out of copper. Well, I, but it's not just copper, right? Is it all forms of metal or is it just copper? A lot of it's copper, but some forms of metal are starting to uh, figure into that because I don't think the pieces stolen from those bleachers were copper. The ones no. that the kids had on them and the bleachers collapsed? No, probably not. Uh, let me see here. Let me see if I can find this vomit sound uh, that I was sort of teasing uh, before we went into the break. Because uh, it, uh, it is the noon hour, so what better time to play this? Yeah. Uh, let me see here. I just want to. I have the sound. I want to be able to find the sort of the email that that accompanied this. Uh, somebody apparently found this on the uh, on the YouTube, and they sent it my way. And it's so. What this is is this is a uh, I believe from Kansas, where all good things uh, originate. And it's a home movie that a guy took out of his window about uh, of a tornado. So the tornado was not destroying his house. The tornado was you know however many miles away. But he's sitting there filming the tornado, and that's how you can tell that they're not in any real danger, because he's, or maybe he's just a yokel. I don't know. So it's him and his wife, and I think there's a kid in the background, and the cameraman's best friend uh, is there as well, and they're, they have the window open, and they're watching a tornado off in the distance, just so you know what visual is accompanying this. They're watching the tornado off in the distance, and they're just commenting. On the tornado, like, boy, how do you look at that tornado? Is, is that Jed's barn? Yes, it is. When his friend in the background, apparently just because of, I don't know, stress or some kind of tension, uh, just be, just begins to vomit uncontrollably. And if, if really, if, if it wasn't so clearly a real video, you would think it was fake. Uh, the email says, Rick, there's nothing to see in this video except a forming tornado. But in the background, you hear a guy constantly puking because he's freaked out or something. Uh, that Swedish TV host chick has nothing on this splattering. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here is the sound of some yokels looking out their window in a tornado when one of them becomes overwhelmed by stress. Somebody call David, 8183, tell him the tornado's right over his house. Yeah, I've seen that. This thing is massive. Oh, my God. I was waiting for that microwave tower to go. Oh. Never did. Uh, plug it into a plug-in. Uh, anywhere, right? First plug-in you see. <laughs> you want that on tape? <laughs> it is. Oh! <laughs> Holy! Oh my God! They're losing shingles now. <laughs> It's right there. Yeah, Morgan, get downstairs. <laughs> they must have had a big lunch. 
seriously, how much can you throw? <laughs> the best part is how the guy in the camera, ex- except for that He's one. Looking at the hurricane commentary. Or <laughs> There's a guy meanwhile losing his lunch like nine times in a row on your carpet, except for saying at the very beginning, "Do you want that on tape?" Um, the, the, the friend, of course, doesn't even notice. The guy who's filming is completely oblivious. He goes, "Look at those shingles over there." Meanwhile, is I mean. It's a tornado. I mean, I understand it's a tornado. I mean, this is you know nothing to laugh at, I suppose. If well, it's, it's their edition of rain. But I mean, that's something they're used to. I mean, yeah, if, it, if it's next to you or if it's hitting your house or something. But if you watch the video, and again, I can't really stress to you how dull the video itself is. It's just it's one basically handheld static shot out a window of a tornado that looks to be about 20 miles away. So there's really nothing happening, and it doesn't seem like there's much to be unnerved about. What would be the bigger concern to you, a tornado 20 miles away or a guy who's like four feet from you who's throwing up repeatedly in your living room? And it, and it, as the guy's vomiting, the camera is, look at that. Look at that tornado. Let's hear it one more time. Somebody call David, 8183, tell him the tornado's right over his house. Yeah. Call David. This thing is massive. Oh, my God. I was waiting for that microwave power to go. Oh. Never did. Uh, plug it into a plug-in. Uh, anywhere, right? First plug-in you see. <laughs> you want that on tape? Oh, it is. That's the only mention. <laughs> Holy! Oh my God! They're losing shingles now. That's the that's the more pressing concern, obviously. Right there. <laughs> yeah, Morgan, get downstairs. <laughs> I mean, how much could be in your stomach? What could he still have to throw up at that you know point? You, ha- you have to loop that, and we have to play it for the entire hour tomorrow. At 10. <laughs> That'll be the whole recap. Just. <laughs> There's nothing funnier than people vomiting. But see, why is my question. I actually, so our good friend Todd the Corpse, as he always does, found that and sent it to me. And I emailed him back and I said, that is the best thing ever. And then I followed up with an email saying, why Why is it that vomit is funny? I mean, I mean, I guess it could be argued that the sound of flatulence is funny to a lot of people. Although well, we don't... It's funny to see people losing control of their bodies, maybe. But, but, I mean, we don't really do a lot of flatulence-based humor on the show because I don't really find it funny. Not like I'm a prude or anything. It just doesn't make... I, I, don't, I don't find it all that hysterical like a lot of guys do. But, I mean, if you think about it, like, nose-blowing isn't funny. No. Nose-blowing isn't funny. Spitting isn't really funny. I mean, you know, the sound of some guy whizzing isn't all that amusing, like... You know, as such, I mean, unless it's in some, like, inappropriate context. Vomiting, though? (laughs) I mean, there's something inherently hilarious about that. And I don't know why. I mean, I would be curious, if you are a psychologist, perhaps, and you have a take on why vomiting is so funny, I'd be curious to know. I'd be curious to know that. I want to make that my ringtone. Yeah, I'm sure people would love that. (laughs) <laughs> it almost sounds like he's got reverb on that sex. I like the I like the um, TV host, the woman. I like her splat better. Yeah, and then she immediately comes back and she's like uh, just just wiping the corner of her mouth. That's all you catch there. I prefer <sighs> good old all American vomit. Yeah, that's Heartland vomit, Sarah. Good corn fed vomit. Don't hate America. Here's Tim Riley. Uh oh, it looks like both Obama and Hillary will be in New York tomorrow. Uh oh. 
Mm-hmm. Is that a Manhattan, a big city showdown, Tim? It could be. So we'll find out. Meanwhile, I finally got that uh, that Bill Clinton clip. What I here it is. Bill Clinton says his days as campaigner in chief may be coming to an end at a town hall meeting in Millbank, South Dakota. He told the crowd about his future of campaigning. Oops, hang on a minute. Let me get rid of this. He told the crowd about his future of campaigning. This may be the last day I've ever involved in a campaign of this kind. I thought I was out of politics until Hillary decided to run. But it has been one of the greatest honors of my life to be able to go around and campaign for her for president. <laughs> Sarah, I'm suspecting you don't find it as funny as Tim and I do. Sometimes I think I'm working with men and other times I like. If you want to reach that male demographic, please call the sales department. AM It almost sounds like there's two people helping him out there. Like it's, It almost sounds like somebody's feeding him more. <laughs> Quick, eat this. Bob, you got to reload. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. Hello. Here's Tim Riley. Well, a party marking the last day of having alcohol on London's underground railway system ended with the arrest of 17 people and the closure of six stations. Party participants in the event dubbed Last Round on the Underground began happily enough in fancy clothing, swigging down beer and wine and singing. But things took a turn for the worst when people moved in on the system known as the tube and fights erupted. Six assaults were reported on underground rail staff and police. Several trains were damaged and had to be taken out of service. A ban on alcohol on London's public transportation system is part of an initiative undertaken by the city's newly elected mayor, whose name is Boris. Uh, He said the move will make the transportation system safer for the public. I guess so. Unions, however, say the ban will put transportation workers in greater danger trying to enforce the no-booze rule. I don't know what that means. I guess your drivers aren't locked away like ours are. I don't... I, I think they are, though. I don't think I've ever seen a tube driver. I thought they were, yeah, they're locked up in their own little booth. Yeah, they're in yeah. the little, yeah, they're in that little the, the so isolated. That's a moot point. Yeah. So, just, it's a way to get rid of fun, Tim. That's what that's about. Mm-hmm. All right. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, gang. How you guys doing? What's oh, up? We're having a good time. Say, last night on Channel 8, they had this thing called uh, 100 uh, Most Outrageous Videos. Uh-huh. And we caught the show probably when, when there was like 25 left. And on number 20 was that Swedish gal. Oh, really? The, the Swedish um, the dating show girl vomiting? Oh, God, it was hilarious. She comes back on screen like nothing happened. You yeah. Know? No, and, and you know what's weird is that she's she's hot, too. I mean, she's very attractive. And so the, the vomiting, it's because it's just that vomiting is really an ugly sound. I mean, there's just no getting around it. It really is one of your more off-putting noises. And so the idea, <laughs> the idea that it's coming out of this hot girl who then comes back and just plunges on ahead as the, and who then blames it on on PMS, by the way. Um, I mean, that really is a, that's pretty fantastic. I don't know the the girl, the the, the Swedish vomiting girl. <laughs> I don't know that that's quite as funny to me as the guy who's on like CNET or, te- or G-Force, that tech TV host is like, well, we took the RAM and the motherboard, and then we added an internal, and then he just begins losing his lunch everywhere. That might be the winner to me, but it's all it's all very good. What uh, well, what network was this on, sir? It was on uh, Channel 8, NBC. All right, then. They, they also had people <laughs> farting on TV by accident, and there was this one clip where they, there was four girls doing aerobics, 
and one blew a big nasty one, and they all start rolling over laughing. See, and to me, I don't know why, it just doesn't resonate comedically with mm-hmm. me. I don't know. All if right. you see it, it's funny, though. I mean, if you... <laughs> I suppose. All right. hey, hold on, I have a question for Sarah. Yes. Sarah, did your sister go to Brooklyn over the weekend to check out uh, what's-his-name's apartment? Steve Darn it, I apartment. forgot about it. Well, she's still there, and I know that he's still showing it, so... Darn it. Okay, oh. I need to get the information to her. Well, you got us hanging on the wire here. All right. Thank you. Hey, take it easy, guys. Bye now. Hey, Rick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hello. Hello. Hey, what are you? Niklas. Hey, Niklas. What are you talking See, that's good, but you know what it is? All you really get there is the splat. You don't get the sound of the actual vomiting. You don't. He's called a virus. Um, I know it's always scary when that rings. All you get there is the splat. You know, you don't get the actual. I mean, mean, right there, you can really. You hear the sound of it it fighting its way out. Somebody else noted, Rick, it's not a tornado, it's a hurricane. All right, here's Tim Riley. It's our hurl-nado. Yes. <laughs> Why is that phone ringing? I don't know. It does this every once in a while. What does that mean? I don't know. Well, Don't answer it. We don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to know. Whoever it is, whoever it is can wait. Whatever that bad news might be on the bat phone over there, I can wait until 3 o'clock. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, let's talk about the bear, shall we? The Roseburg bear, presumed to be wounded by a hunter, mauled his friend... Uh, an Oregon State Trooper tells the Roseburg News Review that 33-year-old Aaron Wyckoff had bite and scratch marks on his ankle, on his forehead, and everywhere in between. He was taken by ambulance to the Mercy Medical Center. He's in good condition. The bear that attacked Wyckoff is the same bear shot earlier by his 15-year-old friend. They decided to go out in the woods and, well, find the wounded bear. Turned out he wasn't wounded that badly. He was uh, roughed up by the bear when he went in to check his condition. A group heard uh, Wyckoff yell for help. They approached. They found the bear on top of him. Wait, so let me understand this. The friend shoots the bear. A guy shoots a bear. The bear survives, wanders off, and later attacks the friend of the shooter? Well, the bear stayed where it was in the woods. The friend goes to check and see if the bear is dead. Bad move. The bear not dead. The bear pounces mm. on top of him. Wait, are we, is this, ironically enough, is the bear playing dead just, just long enough to get the friend in there? Probably. Good for the bear. So the uh, victim has bite and scratch marks on his ankle, forehead, everywhere in between. You know, here's the thing. Somebody accused me. And then me. they shoot the bear again. Somebody accused Wait, but the bear st- is still, did the bear finally die or is the bear still alive? So the, the bear got killed by the friend who came in to save the other friend that was being eaten by the bear. Okay, but I okay. mean, but the friend probably learned, at least the guy with the gun learned his lesson, I would yeah. think. I mean, here's, somebody sort of accused me of being, is sort of inconsistent about this because on the one hand, uh, I am not a vegetarian or vegan. You know, I am a I am an omnivore. But on the other hand, I root, you don't eat bear. I root for well. I root, but here's the thing. I mean, I am a meat eater, but at the same time, I recognize that it's a, that it's a that you know animals don't want to be uh, you know animals don't necessarily want to be shot and eaten. So it's a you know what it is is that as somebody put it, I wish I had the email in front of me. This listener Chris sent me a thing. He said that. He said that he recognizes that nature is one big struggle uh, and that we as humans are hunters and gatherers. Just we as humans have evolved to the point where we can get, hire other people to go do our bidding for us. At the same time, I recognize that it is, a, it is a struggle to survive, and it's the trials of life, as David Attenborough would say. So I totally recognize the right of a bear or any animal to defend itself when humans start encroaching on its business. Mm-hmm. So just as we have the right to go, uh, you know, to go hunt a bear, I guess, the bear has the right to claw back if he decides he doesn't like being shot at. So, good for the bear. You can't blame the bear. No, no, in no way do I blame the bear. 
Just like I don't blame, uh, you know, peacocks or alligators that get a little uh, snippy whenever people start getting up into their personal space. Mm-hmm. You encroach on nature, nature will try to kill you. That's and just it, the way it goes. You're not allowed to whine about it. It's like TMZ poking at the celebrities. How can you blame them for not getting mad at them? That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, if you're, it's like there was, you know, the, one of the all-time great instances was, I don't know, about 10 years ago in India, I think it was, where there was some sort of, it was like a forest or something, or some place where they, they were trying to raise the entire, uh, they were trying to raise the entire sort of, you know, this giant tree stand to make room for condominiums or something, and so they drove all of these elephants out, and then, the, 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 you know, the construction workers, it's in the middle of the night, and they're all sleeping in their tents, and like a thousand elephants came back and just trampled them all into paste. Good for them. I mean, you know, go elephants. Fine, you know, whatever. It, to, the, to the victor go the, go the spoils and so forth. So, you know, if you decide to shoot at a bear, the bear's going to try to kill you. That's just the way it works. A blind man has been told that he climbed to the top of Mount Hood. We don't know if this happened or not. Do you suppose he really was just sort of on his house? Maybe. But it he, sounds like my roof. No, 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 you're on Mount Hood. The legally blind mountaineer apparently uh, allegedly climbed to the top with the help of his guide dog, Rasha, and his best friend, Diego Jovan. Don Wimmer, or John Wimmer, has uh, conquered about a half dozen mountains across the western United States, or so he's been told. He's been blind since the age of five, but never lost his spirit. He tells others, go after your dreams. Wimmer said Sunday that people have stereotypes about disabilities and limitations, and he wants to abolish those. What is the point of climbing Mount Hood? I don't, I'm just asking. What is the point of climbing Mount Hood if you're blind? That is a good question. Like, we don't know if we did or not. I mean, but what is the, I mean... It could I, be like putting a man on the moon. Don't people typically climb, you know, Mount Hood or whatever so they can, because it's the view and the panoramic vista and taking in the sight and so forth? You're blind. I mean, what is... What is There's also the sense of accomplishment, Rick. But, I, well, okay. But, I mean, just sit at home and try to eat 50 tacos in a row or something. I mean, it seems like, really, it seems like if you're climbing Mount Hood blind, it's just because you want to go to a place where it's freezing cold, you might lose your feet, and there's no oxygen. Which I, get, I think you could probably just do at home by climbing inside your freezer. So that would just be my read on it. Uh, here we go. Here's emails from opposite ends of the spectrum here on KCMD Portland. Uh, this, a woman, Kathy, emails in and says, Rick, the instances of vomiting are my very least favorite part of your show. Next email. This is from a guy, Donnie. That vomiting is effing awesome. I had to pull over from keeping to, uh, from, uh, to keep from crashing my truck. Thanks for the best vomiting clip ever. You betcha. All right. Well, thank you. So there you go. That's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's all part of the rich spectrum of life. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, good afternoon. What's up? I have the best vomit video or YouTube you'll ever have. Now, that's a bold statement considering uh, some of the things that we've had today, sir. I, I know. you got you got to go check uh, Family Guy and Vomit. Now, is this real vomit or is it fake vomit? This is, well, this Family Guy, making... obviously it's cartoon. But, I mean, is this naturally occurring vomit, or is this like, you know, in other words, is it like scripted vomit, or is it real? Um, it's real. Is this oh, no, one, it's real. Is this one with Peter, Chris, and Brian in the living room? Yes. Okay, and Stewie. Yes. But do you see what, I, but you see what I'm asking? If it's Family Guy, that almost doesn't count, right? Because it's fake. It's not, it's a cartoon. But yeah, I, I, it's pretty I understand that. But if you listen, to, if you watch this, and you listen to it, and you're going to have at least 15 vomits in about a 30-second span. Is it funny without the visual? Oh, yes. Sarah, do you know what he's talking about? Oh, I know. I know exactly what episode he's You want to try to track it down? I could. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know how it will vouch without being visual, but I think it might be funny. All right. It'll be great without the visual. All right. Thank you, my friend. We'll look it up then. All right. Thanks. Thank you, sir. All right. Um, Let's see. Um, Here's one. See, I hate it when people send me stuff that seems really funny but that we can't play on the air. Apparently, it's full of profanity. It's where a guy was paid $500 to drink a glass of Ipecac. (laughs) 
I'll watch that one later in my own private time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Let's do a couple of these, and we'll continue with the news on KCMD Portland. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. What's up? Why I have been waving. I came up with new subjects. Okay. The, the, the family guy vomiting thing is the funniest thing you, you, you ever got to listen to. It's By great. the way, I've seen season four now, and i got seasons one through uh, three at home, so I'm going to be watching that this week. Yeah, but anyway, you were talking about metal thefts, and if it's uh, a localized problem or if it's, you know, a, a greater area. Right. I was in eastern Oregon two weeks ago, and I saw two signs put up by Harney County that said, caution, due to budget cuts and increased metal thefts, the county can no longer afford to replace guardrails or street signs that may have been stolen. <laughs> That's great, because why would you need guardrails or street signs? What could possibly happen with those exactly. removed? Exactly. In I'm my head to... right now, hold it just one second. In my head, I'm totally picturing, like, immediately cut to, like, the Thelma and Louise of the car just rocketing over the cliff and That's going out into is. the abyss. You're driving on these county roads out in the middle of nowhere, Isn't and they'll be dangerous, honey. No, 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 nonsense. There'd be a sign somewhere. <laughs> and how come? How come it takes a, a county or, or city work crew six months to put up guardrails, and it takes a bunch of meth heads twenty minutes to to take them down, and nobody seems to notice? And it does. This sort of does lead to an interesting observation that maybe what we ought to do is all county employees ought to be drug addicts because exactly. I got to tell you, there's nobody who gets something done faster than a guy who needs to go fix. You know, try try that. It takes a crew of ten, you know, three days to put up six hundred foot of overhead wire. It takes two two meth addicts twenty minutes to take it down. Yeah. I'd say we search those guys out and hire them. I'm with you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll we'll throw that by Sam Adams next time we uh, next time we talk with him. Um. All right. Do you have the uh, clip? I have the family. It's a minute and a half. Did you want to give it a shot? Is it a it minute and be... a half of vomiting? Okay. Uh, well, it leads up right. to it a little bit. Uh, all right, we have Jim Roop on uh, on hold here. How do you? How strong do you feel about playing the whole thing? I don't know because I'm. You know, I love family. Do you want time to consider? Yes. All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. The CNN radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. Hey, on a scale of one to ten, how funny do you find vomit? Depends on who's doing it. If it's me, I don't find it funny at all. <laughs> Let's, and that's see, that's the other irony. Just we have this great vomit clip that we've been playing. Um, it's somebody sent it to me. It is a home movie taken, I think, in Can, or in uh, Kansas. And it's some dudes standing in their kitchen, and there's a tornado about 20 miles away. And they're kind of standing in the kitchen with a home video camera, just filming the tornado that's like three counties over. One guy in the kitchen within earshot or whatever, you know, within, you know, within just a few minutes of the camera, apparently is stressed out about the tornado and just begins vomiting uncontrollably. And it's just, it's like, it's like 30 seconds of vomiting. It's one of the, let me play it for you now, Jim, and then you can give me your assessment on it before we talk about Universal Studios. All right. All right. So, um, it starts off. With a guide, so these are two guys standing in the kitchen, staring out at a tornado that is nowhere near their house. So they're in no imminent danger. Here we go. Somebody call David eight one eight three. Tell him the tornado's right over his house. Yeah, I've seen that. This thing is massive. Oh my God! I was waiting for that microwave tower to go. Oh. Never did. Uh, plug it into a plug-in. Uh, anywhere, right? First plug-in you see. <laughs> you want that on tape? Oh, 
It is. Holy, oh my god, they're losing shingles now. It's right there. Yeah, Morgan, get downstairs. It's okay. <laughs> How great is that? Oh, they're losing shingles now. The best thing is that the guy's paying no attention to the fact that somebody's vomiting all over his rug. I mean, there's a guy in your living room, and, and how much food can your stomach possibly hold that you can have? I mean, that's a good... I mean, he takes him a while to get going there, but then he has like three full-on splattering vomits. I mean, really, that's, he must have hit like a buffet or something earlier in the day. It must have been... Another funny line in that was, you know, call whoever and tell them the tornado's right over their house. Yeah. Wait, I'll see you. Hello? Oh, really? Thanks for waking me up, dude. I'd have missed it. <laughs> yeah, that's the other who doesn't know a tornado is directly over their house that's beautiful i'm sorry i thought the washing machine had an uneven load in it Jeez. but i'd like to you want that on tape no it is oh <laughs> so i guess i find vomiting pretty amusing see that's we that is what we call in the broadcasting world a polarizing uh bit of audio that we've been playing today there's been no middle ground on the vomiting jim that's just great. All right. Let's see, I'm glad you agree. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I can bring a little levity into your life, my friend. That's a one-week individual. <laughs> I mean, the tornado, I'll send you the video, actually. The tornado's like a thousand miles away. Like, you can barely see it. I mean, so, uh, you know, all right. And, what a wuss. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. This, here's, let me play the second one. Here's the thing. The thing about the second, you'll hear him. Uh, you'll hear him hurl twice in rapid succession. The second one, it almost sounds like it's reverbed. It sounds like it, like it's, it actually is sort of two people at once. On the, here we go. Right there. I mean, it's sort of like two going at once. <laughs> Oh, that's just great. <laughs> All right. Well, we try to amuse. He's got to hurt his spleen on that. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, in any event. Um, yeah, so, the fire is no big deal. No. I was, well, see, I was talking to Tim about it today, and this is sort of I am sort of unclear uh, in terms of this, this fire Universal Studios of... I'm, <laughs> Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just take all the time you need. Ah, uh, okay. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to sweat. <laughs> See, tell, tell me I don't know what the people want. <laughs> you know what I want, that's for sure. Uh, you are the target demographic, my friend. Uh, beautiful. Uh, what were you asking now? Well, we were talking to, I was talking to Tim about it before the show here about this fire at Universal Studios, and I, I'm not trying to, uh, to make light of it or diminish it or whatever, but, but I, I, we were trying to get a handle on, they, they sort of are phrasing, framing this all of this sort of irreplaceable stuff that, that's been burned down, and, and I was unclear about whether that was the case or whether it is, is it stuff that has already been raised and rebuilt several times oh, already? Yeah. Uh, that, that's the thing. I mean, even, uh, all, all of these sets have been, rebuilt, tweaked for whatever production. It, it depends on what version of the set you're talking about. You know, if you're talking about Sweet Charity, 
you know, 1950, whatever. Well, that's been gone for years. Right. Plus, in 1990, the whole damn thing burned down anyway, so they had to rebuild it. So it's it's not like you're really missing anything, and it's nothing that can't be rebuilt. Even that video... <laughs> I'm sorry. Even that video vault... <laughs> even that video vault that was destroyed, the stuff in there was just copies, duplications of the originals. The originals are probably kept in some salt mine in Kansas City or something like that. <laughs> Because that's where a lot of that's where a ho- lot of Hollywood stored, you know, deep in the salt mines in Kansas. I, I admire, Which is true. By I, the way. I admire you for getting your composure back for, <laughs> for just a moment. Well, stop making me laugh. I'm. <laughs> I blame you for my unprofessionalism. <laughs> How many times I've heard that, Rick Emerson? I blame you for my unprofessionalism. <laughs> <laughs> we were actually noting on Friday that I think we do have some weird, like, Star Trek science fiction type distortion field where we ourselves remain relatively unchanged, but the people around us be- become become really bizarre and eccentric sometimes. It is contact with this show. It's like some sort of creative radiation sickness. The uh, well, contact with your show has only improved my life. Well, thank you, my friend. So, um, but as Tim noted, you know, all of these film sets, I mean, I'm not trying to diminish it, but they are just sets anyway. It's not like it really burned down a town or something. No, in fact, it's just, you know, plywood, two-by-fours, foam. I mean, the bricks aren't even bricks. Right. You know? So it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it made for a great... Busy Sunday morning. I guess they did talk about some vault where there was a bunch of films uh, located, but as Tim noted, that they could, the films couldn't have been that priceless because they were being kept, you know, like right next to the King right, Kong just, exhibit. There were duplications. Yeah, so. You know, so they could get to them real quick. You know, um, like I said, the the real stuff is, you know, in somewhere away. in a salt mine. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as much as people sort of like to make fun of movie studios for not uh, taking good enough care of their own history. I mean, all that stuff that is valuable is really, I mean, that is all locked away and, and protected and saved and whatever. So. Yeah, I mean, all the all the good stuff. Yeah, as long as the Bates Motel thing is still there, that's all I care oh, about. Oh, yeah, it's still there. So yeah. is uh, Leave it to Beaver's house. That's Everybody, that's everybody's all, happy. That's all that matters. All right, the my beaver friend, did not burn. I would like to, I'd like to leave you with this thought. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> I gotta go. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> See you in a radio correspondent, Jim Rope. Does that happen uh, on the Lou Dobbs program? I don't think so. Uh, see, that is, you know what that is, Tim? That is independent external verification. That That's funny. I know that Sarah is sort of thinking in her head, well, this is sort of moderately amusing, but I think Tim and Rick find it disproportionately funny. You know what it is? That is a third party right there who has verified that it is, in fact, just that funny. A team you... of engineers keeps those two tall towers humming away 24 hours a day <laughs> in order to disseminate this information to the general public as a public service. We broadcast this comedy to the people. Oh, man. All right, okay. so if you ever want to listen to the Family Guy thing, I have it up. All right, and you know what else? You know, here's another great vomit scene. I'm not just saying stand by me. I'm saying Team America. Team America has one of the all-time oh, great the vomit scenes. Scene ever. Yeah. I mean, the it's, of vomits, like, it goes on for like, goes on for like four minutes. Yeah. That's uh, kind of like the Family Guy one, where they, you know, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Well, maybe we'll uh, play it into the break here. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, anyway, let's talk about this uh, police officer. Have you heard about him? No. Well, they say a Woodburn police officer is on paid administrative leave after arrest of charges of exposing himself to his neighbors. They say officer Jose Rodriguez, who is 50, 
while standing in the doorway of his West Salem home and pleasuring himself with his pants down to his ankle. <laughs> he was aware he was being watched, but he was off duty. The neighbor reportedly took home video as evidence. Oh, boy. Seeing that Rodriguez had done it before, but was never caught in the act, but he had it this time. Uh, a neighbor named Joe, who lives across the street, says he knows at least six <clears throat> previous incidents when Rodriguez exposed himself in front of his own daughters. Wow. So he told his girls to call him the next time it happened, and they did. Arvin said his daughters called him, and uh, since he was not home, he called a friend who took the home video and alerted police. My daughters are victimized. Wait until my daughter... He Oh, he waited until the girls were in the window and then started touching himself. So they called 911. Rodriguez uh, told the police he did it because he was depressed. So I guess he felt better after it was done. Woodburn Police says, uh, uh, say Rodriguez has been a cop for at least 20 years. He is now on paid administrative leave and faces three misdemeanor counts of public indecency. And uh, Woodburn Police will conduct their own internal investigation. You know, what's weird about this is uh, we were talking to Richie sometime back about his sort of exhibitionistic tendencies and how they're really... This is another thing on which there's no middle ground, because this is a guy waving his junk around, uh, standing in the window or on his porch or whatever, sort of tackle out. And then meanwhile, fear of public nudity is one of those things. I mean, it's it's such a well-established fear that, I mean, I think I read somewhere that it was the, 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 top, like the top three nightmares that the people share. And one of them is showing up someplace I nude or in your underwear. That I was trying to walk home. And like, for some reason, I was I was in my underwear and yeah. I kept passing all these people that I hadn't seen. Hi, in a while. Oh. I don't know. I'm trying to cover myself. and like I'm walking. Yeah. Like down this horribly busy street. Trying to cover your I haven't had one of those in a long time either, yeah. and I was I was really just in my underwear walking around like what yeah. happened to my clothes. Yeah, so the, so that's so it's it's sort of terrifying I think to most people the idea of somehow showing up somewhere uh, nude, um, and it's always school or work for some reason. That's another thing in those dreams. A lot of times in the dream it's like where you're showing up like and this. I was like to a social event, like I was going to walking to a party or something. I kept passing friends on the street. See, it's just weird, and I know that there's probably some tiresome explanation as to what that means. But, I mean, it's a quintessentially unnerving kind of dream. And, you know, on the other hand, you've got this guy and Richie that just want to, you know, like, look at my penis! Got him all the time. So, uh, this email says, Rick, I fractured some ribs this weekend and the vomit clip is making me laugh and then it causes excruciating pain. Stop, please. I can't stand too much more. Here's Tim Riley. We'll have uh, some more police blotters coming up. And maybe yes. more and more. I can't keep up with them. Anyway, uh, Kelsey Grammer had a mild heart attack. A 53-year-old's Reptiles People magazine, quote, he experienced symptoms Saturday morning after paddle voting his wife, Camille. The star was taken to the hospital. They determined it was a mild heart attack. He is expected to be released early this week. He starred in Chuck Darley as Chuck Darley on the Fox series Back to You. Never heard of it. He also played the uh, voice in the animated series The Simpsons. He won four Emmy Awards for his role as Dr. Frazier Crane. On the now departed NBC series entitled Frazier, he's also known for the television program Cheers. Wait, so here's a question. So what is George Wendt doing right now? Oh, I don't know. Where is George Wendt? Nobody has asked. What is he doing? Hey, here's a question. Um... We were doing this was a uh, this is a dead or alive thing. Who were we, who was I talking about? Who was I talking to this morning? We were doing like a dead or alive. It was um. Well, never mind. Never mind. Forget it. I take it back. I had a great dead or alive question this morning, and now I can't even remember who it was. Who it was about? Uh, Rick. I finally this is from one of our many British listeners. I finally decided to do a wholly American thing for lunch, and I had a three entree plate from a buffet, and then you started playing the puking sound. Uh, says, you must stop, you must stop. Yeah, we probably won't. No. Uh, here's Tim Riley. 
with dead people in mind, let's do the snuff watch. You get a whole barrel of them. Here. Here's your snuff watch from Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Well, we, let's see. The first one is uh, Bo Diddley. He is dead. He's a rock and roll musician. Probably you don't remember him. He was 79 years old. He's a mem- member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He passed away today in his home in Archer, Florida. Uh, the cause of death was heart failure. His real name was not Bo Diddley. It was Ellis Bates. He died in 1928 in the small town of Macomb, Mississippi. He's uh, best known for uh, uh, putting together the Bo Diddley Beat, a rubble-like uh, rhythm played out by street performers who slap and pat their arms, legs, and chest. He's known for such songs as I'm a man, Bo Diddley, and hey, Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley. Uh, yeah. he, then the, the Bo Diddley beat, which he did not invent, uh, it sort of it pre, it, it predates so uh, him. I mean, it, exi- I mean, it existed uh, before him, but he was the first one to inject it into the popular culture and certainly the first one to use it in rock and roll to any sort of widespread notability. And it's, it's best described as that sort of shave and a haircut, two bits uh, kind of beat. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it really is omnipresent in whole sections of rock and roll. So later on today. Uh, we'll actually do uh, the top five songs that use the Bo Diddley beat. Those are coming up later on today. Top five songs that use the Bo Diddley beat. Number two. International fashion icon Yves Saint Laurent died last night at his home in Paris. He was 71. He was the last of an era of fashion designers that included Coco Chanel and Christian Dore, for whom uh, Saint Laurent worked for until Dore's death in 1957. And let's see here. Uh, so he's uh, one of the greatest of the 20th century he became synonymous with the glamour of the Paris catwalk and the elegance of haute couture. Uh, he took Paris by us over the 1960s and 70s with his ma- masculine yet elegant trouser suits for women. He also popularized tight pants, the trapeze dress, smocks, uh, thigh-high boots, and tuxedo jackets. Saint Laurent also used ethnic themes in his designs, as well as bright colors contrasted with black. His jackets, Le Smoking in French, featured for the first time on the catwalk see-through skirts, that shocked and delighted the general public, and uh, he died. He so, does it say? Does it say how old he was? He's seventy-one. Seventy-one. Because I was noting that he uh, was in poor health, I guess, for some quite, quite some time. True to form for a uh, for a fashion designer, most of the uh, obituaries I was reading about him last night, you couldn't find his age anywhere, uh, and they were using a press photo that was clearly from like fifty years ago. Uh, I don't really know anything about uh, Yves Saint Laurent, and he the was only... shy, introverted, had few friends. Good for him. <laughs> the only he's a model for us all, Tim. The only reason I even know how to pronounce his name. Uh, just like I can only pronounce Ralph Lauren correctly uh, because of Queer Eye for the Straight uh, Guy, the only reason I can pronounce Yves Saint Laurent is because he is referenced in an Aerosmith song uh, from nineteen from nineteen seventy eight, I think. And that's the only reason I can really. But he's dead. So do we have three? We yeah, have one more. more. All right. Uh, then we have a uh, Frederick J. Bauer, who was the designer of the Pringles container. He was so proud of having designed the container for Pringles potato chips that he asked his family to bury him in one. Well, he's in luck. He died. His uh, children honored his request. Part of his remains are buried in the Pringles can. Uh, uh, well, they had to, uh, not him in general, what, what was left of him, his ashes, along with a regular urn containing the rest. He's been buried in Springfield Township. I'm not sure what town. That, oh, it's in uh, Cincinnati, whatever state. Indiana? Cincinnati, uh, Ohio. He was a retired... <laughs> I don't know. Are you waiting for me to respond to one of those? I don't know where Cincinnati is. <laughs> Are you just... Cincinnati's in Ohio, I believe. Okay. Well, that's fine. It's one of those flyover states. So he's buried in Ohio. 
He was a retired organic chemist and food storage technician who specialized in research and development and quality control at Procter & Gamble. Uh, he was 89 years old. He developed many products, including a frying oil and a freeze-dried ice cream for Procter & Gamble. The ice cream was patented and marketed, but it didn't catch on. Basically, what you did, you add milk to it, put it in the freezer, and you had ice cream. He was very proud of that, but it never went anywhere. Freeze-dried ice cream is kind of weird. I think that's the ice cream they sell at Omsi, where it's like chalk, oh. uh, basically. Have you ever had freeze-dried ice cream? No, I don't think so. No, oh, it's I pretty great. It. Oh, you ought to try it. Oh, it's really, really good. And, and, but it kind of Fs with your head a little bit, because cause it's not fake. I mean, it is real ice cream. It has just been, you know, as they say, flash-dried. It's been freeze-dried. Uh, so they just take regular ice cream, and then they go, and they instantly take all the moisture out of it. So it's like chalk. So you have this thing that is like a big square. It's like a big square of chalk, and you take a bite off of it, and you chew it up, and then in your mouth it becomes ice cream. It's the weirdest thing. Have you ever had those chewy Japanese ice cream balls? No. They are the greatest thing. Are I've they ever like different them at dots? Trader Joe's. They're just like they're chewy on the outside, but on the inside they're full of ice cream. I have had those. Richard Nunn brought one of those. Oh. By, bought a box of those by the studio one time. They are amazing. Yeah. It's like the greatest form of ice cream I've ever had. They yeah. have like these strawberry ones there. Those weird dry ice cream dots they sell at the mall are kind of weird too. Those sort of freak me out a little bit. I don't food like that that is sort of puzzling that I don't understand how it works. I mean, it's sort of good, but it unnerves me all the same. So he didn't create Pringles. Was it just the was it just the can? The can. Uh, he created it in 1970. That's when Pringles came out. Well, that's look. I don't mean to trample on a man's grave, Tim, but it. it how can you get credit for? Inv- it's just a tube. How can you in- get credit for inventing that? I don't know. I mean, didn't they have tubes before that? No, they did not. They're basically not like saying he. But. Okay, but here's the thing. So it, presumably, the actual Pringles chip was invented before the container, right? Did one they come would, one would allege did that. They, did they come to him with the actual Pringles potato chip and say, what was his name? His name was Frederick Bauer. Did they come to Frederick Bauer with the Pringles potato chip and say, look, you, you need to create a container for this? Or did he actually design the container first and then therefore... We don't know. We can't find the file on it. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Like, I... I I don't wish to diminish his accomplishments, but I mean, if you credit him with creating the he, Pringles he, he, he can, was, he you're was ba- the Edison of uh, Pringles chips. But then you're basically you're crediting him with inventing the cylinder, which seems like a little bit of an overstatement. I mean, oh, they, I see. They must have had something like posters came in. I think maybe. All right, I think maybe he's getting an undue share of acclaim and attention today. But you know what? I'll let it slide because I like Pringles. And he only die once. I'm just, I'm just saying. He gets extra points for being buried in a Pringles can, frankly. Uh, all right, there's your triple snuff watch for uh, Monday on the Rick Emerson Show. possible that it's 1.30 already. I haven't even eaten my lunch yet. It's just flying by. Just wasted people's lives for two and a half hours. Here's Tim Riley. <laughs> We're out to change the world and make our community a better place. Uh-huh. Yes. We, should get Lacey, we should get Lacey Turner. We're here to educate people. <laughs> just so Lacey can hear exactly what it is that we spend precious airtime doing. <laughs> Well, because this country is being run by lots of dark and evil people right now, somehow this makes sense. Apparently, we have a fleet of ships, prison ships, that are going around, and we put so-called terror suspects on them, and keep them sailing around and around and around, and nobody misses them. Uh, this report comes to us from some uh, human rights organization we can't be bothered with. Uh, information about the study is completed by a number of sources, including statements from the U.S. military, several European uh, 
companies. Uh, these alleged prison ships are USS Bataan, the USS Palau, and additional 15 vessels suspected of having uh, floating around in the water between oh. the U.S. and U.K. You know it's true. Uh, apparently, by its own admission, the U.S. government is currently detaining 26,000 people in secret. That costs a lot of money. 26,000 people in secret prisons, and 80,000 have been through it. So where do we get all these people? I don't know. And it, it's not that I it's not that I don't recognize that it's wrong, but don't you just sort of assume that's the case? I, I mean, would it's like with. You know, people try to, don't you understand that there are human rights abuses going on in Guantanamo? Well, of course I do. I mean, I just sort of, I operate into the assumption that our government just routinely tortures and kills people for no real reason at all. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, you know, there's just, there's really nothing shocking there. Also, nothing to be done about it. No. And nobody cares. No. It's their problem. Yep. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Yeah, well, uh, with all of this talk of vomit and you guys playing the uh, the vomit clip over and over again, I thought I would take advantage of this opportunity to uh, share the story about what happened to me walking back from the uh, listener party. <laughs> Does it involve vomit? Oh, oh yeah. See how I saw into the future there? <laughs> all right, what is the story, sir? Uh, well, I uh, was uh, not feeling very good, so I, uh, you know, at the listener party, so I started uh, walking back through Northwest Portland. I uh, was, uh, uh, you know, obviously uh, swaying back and forth and swaggering down the street all the time, trying to look as sober as I possibly could. Mind you, I'm, I'm wearing my kilt, and uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm attracting enough attention as it is. Uh, there's, there's these restaurants that uh, are set up in these old warehouse areas, and they have the loading dock, and people were out there. They were eating their, their meal or whatever, <laughs> and here I go. I'm just walking down on the street, and that's where it hits me. I, I get a smell of the food or something. It just twists my gut up, and I'm just right down below just, uh, you know, uh, I'm already time warp drunk, and then I start projectile vomiting all over the street below them, and I, I'm really loud about it. Right as their creme brulee is being delivered. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a wonder that I didn't get the cops called on me, because obviously I'm impaired. <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't have been walking around on the street, but, uh, you know, just right where I'm around people that are eating, I just start bazooka puking, you know, just all over the place. So I get it out of my system. I'm walking around the corner, walking somewhere else. I'm, uh, You know, there's like this uh, bar or whatever coffee shop, and they have like the, uh, the, the table set out on the sidewalk. Happens again. I'm just walking down the street, and I up chuck, and there's all of my beer just <laughs> right in front of these people. So I get in my truck. I'm going to sit in the passenger seat and sleep it off. Once again, I'm sitting across, <laughs> sitting across from uh, uh, you know one of these these uh, you know cafes or something, and I just open up the the passenger seat and I uh, you know just got the rest of it all out and. Uh, Excellent. So yeah, you so you managed to make a permanent impression, I would say, on at least three different groups of total strangers. Oh yeah. One can't I, ask for more than that, sir. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. Thanks Thank for you. your listening. Thank you, my friend. Bye-bye. Right. Right, there you go. I'm glad we can help. That's see, terrific. See, you know, even when we're not around or with somebody, you know, our uh, our show and our events are helping to impact our community. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. How's it going? Oh, I don't know. All right. So I was wondering on the status of uh, the meth watch. Was that going to be 
Are you going to do that? Are you going to call it um, uh, Tim Riley on? Tim Riley on yeah. meth. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I just haven't, uh, you know, in fact, our voice guy cut some stuff for us this morning, and I forgot to get that done. So maybe I'll have to, I'll put it together myself, perhaps. All right. Yeah. And then also uh, the status on uh, Florida, Tim, Tim Point, uh, or uh, sorry, Rick Point, uh, Sarah, Sarah Point. Were you going to do that? Oh, yeah. We talked about doing a, having the Florida sounder modified, so one of them said Rick and, you know, the other one said Sarah, so we, we kind of know who, who won. Yeah, that's on my who list wins? of things We're to so do. Stupid. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. Thank oh, you. By the way, apparently George Went is playing Edna Turnblad in the Broadway production of Hairspray, just in case, you, in case you're curious, in case you want to know. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, um, thanks for that. I had no idea. Uh, the Democratic National Committee Chairman Howard Dean, remember him, called Saturday's resolution over the dispute for the Florida-Michigan dele- delegations the beginning of the coming of the end to the party. He says everybody's going to get together now. The final votes on these issues were not along partisan lines. That is, not all the Clinton people didn't vote one way and all the Obama people didn't vote another way. The way to, to, to Florida was unanimous. It was 27 nothing. Uh, the Michigan vote was 19 to 8. Uh, Dean says whoever loses the candidacy should support the winner. The key to this election is going to be in the hands of the person who gets 49% of the delegates, not 51%. Uh, Having lost a race myself, uh, I know that it's really important not just to rally around the winner, but to go out and campaign actively. Uh, Senator Obama is satisfied with the Saturday decision resulting in the seating of Michigan and Florida delegates at a half vote apiece. He says he won't do anything to stop the threats from Senator Clinton's camp to put the issue in front of the Credentials Committee in Denver. I think that Senator Clinton and former President Clinton love this country. They love the Democratic Party. I think they deeply believe that Democrats need to win in November. And so I trust that they're going to do the right thing. Hillary can't complain all she wants. Well, I, I'm not going to uh, do anything to, to dis- dissuade Senator Clinton uh, to do what she thinks is best. And uh, he quit the church that was causing so much trouble. This is not a decision I come to lightly, uh, in, and frankly, it's, it's one that I, I make with some sadness. You know, Trinity uh, was where I found Jesus Christ. Well, okay. Well, there you go. All right. Uh, let's do one more, and then we'll take a break here. All righty. Uh, this is National Headache Awareness Week. Susan Simmons, the National Director of the National Headache Foundation... That sounds like a great job. Sam, there are many uh, options available. It's an office where they keep the lights real low and everybody talks quietly. National Headache Foundation. We should we should call there and speak to them really loudly over the phone. Uh, she, she says more than 29 million people suffer from excruciating headaches. Get an appropriate diagnosis and then find the treatment that's right for you. And it may be uh, a medication. It may be lifestyle changes such as getting enough sleep or not getting too much sleep, monitoring your diet, getting regular exercise. None of that is correct. The answer is always Vicodin. The answer to all of these problems is Vicodin. Uh, All right, let's take a break here. We'll come back with more from Tim Riley around the corner. Uh, Later on, the top five. Top five songs featuring the Bo Diddley beat. Uh, Your phone calls and uh, more on the way. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. That did work. At the beginning, I was unsure about it because it lacked a splat, but you know what? That paid off splendidly. Well done, Sarah. Oh, that wasn't me. That was whoever it called. 
It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. From the indescribably lowbrow to the indescribably snooty, it is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. Thank you for coming by. All right. Home of the world's finest bumper music. We'll be uh, labeling more of our bumps, uh, I don't know, probably next hour or so. Uh, we'll do that. Uh, we might roll out Thursday's high-concept topic today, though, just so we can sort of get it uh, taken care of. You know, and it's, it's going to sound so much less impressive now. I brought in these... Um, I brought in these sounds from the Court and Fatboy show because I was listening to Court and Fatboy the other day. And Are the ones that you said Paddock gave you permission, they don't know that you have them? Well, they did because they heard me talking about it oh, uh, no. the other day. So they came up to the office and they heard it. I just, after the vomit, I don't know that it's going to be that impressive. I don't, I, I don't really know that it's going to work. Well, let me just, so they do this, um, they do this, uh, this bit on Court and Fatboy, uh, this segment called um, Stump the Movie Douche, uh, which is actually, it, it's, it's really great. Uh, if you don't listen to Court and Fatboy, you might not have heard this. They're on a sister station, Rock 101 KUFO. And they do this bit, Stump the Movie Douche, because, because Fatboy has just like this freakish, like almost autistic knowledge of American film, uh, especially of American film post like 1960. And so it's a contest they do when they're giving stuff away. And the, the deal is you call up and you name... You name two actors, and he must tell you the film that they were in. So you would call up and you'd say, uh, you'd say James Gandolfini and Robert Redford, and then he goes, uh, The Last Castle, and he sort of has got to, he's got to come up with the movie that they were in. So I don't really know that this will work at this point, but I pulled a bunch of audio from Stump the Movie because I was sitting in the office listening to it, and Fatboy makes. What can really only be described as these sort of weird sex noises when he's sort of pondering the film. So let me just, I'll play a couple of these to you in this sort of unaltered state. And then I sort of edited them together uh, at the end. Let's see here. If I, let's see if I've got this. And and so this is, uh, he's doing most of the talking, and then you'll hear a court doing a little bit. All right, uh, go ahead. Stop the movie, dude. Okay. Uh, John C. Riley, Leo DiCaprio. John C. Riley, Leonardo DiCaprio. It doesn't really kick in for, for a little bit here. Really? John C. Riley, Leonardo DiCaprio. Interesting. Oh. 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 man. Oh, man. Oh, it's right there. Oh, it's right there. Oh, God. Son of a mother... I think bucket. I think he blows this one too, and then he curses himself pretty hilariously at the end. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is gonna hurt. <laughs> I know exactly. John C. Riley plays like a minor role. It's a really small minor role, and uh, and he's, um, oh god, I'm gonna go out on a limb, and it's gonna hurt me to death. Okay. It's gonna pain me. It's gonna stab me in the eyes. The Basketball Diaries. No. What is it? What's eating Gilbert Grape? I, I I know this lifeline is going to snap off in my hands. I think he's looking it up on IMDb here to see if he's on the ocean floor. But just in case, John C. Riley appears in many, many movies, and it's, it is conceivable that he showed up somewhere in Basketball Diaries, so we have to check it. Oh, okay. man, I almost, I almost said what's he... Oh, God, son of a... <laughs> son of, oh, and well, that's the other one I was thinking. What? Gangs in New York. Oh, I forgot about... Oh, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well... Oh, All right, geez. you 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 hang on the phone. You flying? You got? You there's like a whole lot of crazy going on in that. Show. Is that what their show's like all the time? There's like another twenty seconds and in play of him screaming and, and breaking things. They're very amusing. Let's see here. I think I've got a couple other, and then I just sort of strung all of his weird um, noises of passion together. 
Dump the movie douche. KUFO, stump the movie douche. Robert Preston and James Garner. Oh, 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 <laughs> oh, um, I mean, oh, mm. God, oh, God. <laughs> Robert Preston, I don't know so much. I'm trying to remember if James Garner's actually in this movie. Mm. So there's that, and then, uh, um, let's see. Yes, Captain? Oh, uh, what would be, uh... A good a, hint? What would be a good hit off of this, um... Uh, <laughs> that that noise is pretty great, too, from court, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I put this... Uh, oh, I... I'm gonna find something to do with it. Anyway, so I took all of... I took all of, uh, of Fatboy's noises. I don't have any appropriate... Music bed to put underneath it because I think they've got their own music running underneath. But I strung them all together, just sort of a oh man, oh man, oh it's right there, oh it's right there, oh god, yeah. <laughs> oh this is gonna hurt, oh god, oh oh oh, <laughs> what's wrong with you? Oh um, oh god, oh god. And finally, uh, and now from the Ministry of Truth. This okay, that was pretty funny. Rocky. I was afraid it wouldn't work. That was pretty funny. It worked. <laughs> I thought that was funnier than the vomit thing. Uh, oh, oh. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, those young kids. <laughs> A girl swallows 30 magnets and steel balls. <laughs> it's an eight-year-old Indiana girl. Oh. She swallowed. 30 magnets and steel balls. Uh, apparently, she ingested the 10 magnets and 20 steel balls because they look like candy. Oh. Wait a minute, she's 8 years old. Shouldn't you have some reasoning processes by that point? <laughs> that is what the Catholic Church deems to be the age of reason, by well, the way. Well, Haley's father, Jason, says he really doesn't understand how she could have consumed the parts because she gets A's and B's and we taught her not to do this stuff. How do you teach your daughter not to swallow steel balls? Well, apparently, he and his wife were in the same room when she swallowed these steel balls, and oh. they didn't even realize it. They rushed into the hospital. <laughs> these parts came from a toy called the Magnetix. It's made by Mega Brands. They issued a statement. They are saddened to learn that a child sustained injury from ingesting a large number of steel balls, some of which apparently contained magnets. Uh, let's see. So uh, they said, yeah, I apparently... An eight-year-old kid should know better, especially if she gets A's and B's. Really, I'm, and I'm with you on the whole, if you have to be taught not to swallow big piles of metal, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that might be, uh, might be nature trying to tell us something about that child's future. That is kind of strange, isn't it? Yes, it is, Tim. Well, let's talk about that uh, space shuttle. Remember that? They were rushing to get those toilet parts up there. Uh, the space shuttle Discovery will rendezvous today with the International Space Station. Uh, they say the, uh, oh, apparently, oh, when they launched the shuttle, at least five pieces of foam were seen falling off. Despite the foam loss, NASA said it, it performed extremely well. There are some areas that we will be looking at, but in a general sense, in a broader sense, the, the tank really performed absolutely um, in a magnificent fashion. Except for the yeah, thing falling off of it. Yeah, let's see it come home. <laughs> really? I mean, typically, typically that's ended badly, I think, in the past, but, you know, what do I know? I'm no scientist. It has successfully docked. Confirmed. So there, so fix that toilet. All right. 
An English man claims to have eaten nothing but Mars bars for 17 years. Keith Sorrell eats a dozen a day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He even orders Mars bar drinks mixed with vodka and rum when he goes into the pub. Uh, says, uh, Keith, I love Mars bars. I started eating them in school. Between one and two between meals, all my pocket, pocket money went to them until one day I realized I couldn't live without them. Now I can easily polish up 12 a day more on weekends. People say it's bad for me, but I drink lots of orange juice and take vitamins. I haven't changed my diet for 17 years, and my health is fine. Experts warn Keith uh, he's increasing his risk of heart disease, cancer, and bowel problems. Well, it's amazing he survived this long. He can expect to live as long as 80. Don't ask me who decided that. Uh, by the way, speaking of eating weird things, so um, apparently, so this is, let's see, an email says, Rick, G4TV has a new television program coming in July called Hurl. That is all of, that is all, <laughs> that is all about making contestants consume massive amounts of disgusting foods while sprinkling barf instigating mini challenges in between. For example, Sarah. I just have one bite left. Hey, you having a Mars bar? <laughs> having a little lunch? Right. We'll wait in real time. Ugh. Is she done yet? You done? Mm-hmm. Time for dessert. We can wait. No. All right. Uh, so there's a the new show coming. We have to get somebody from G4 to talk about this new show called Hurl. Uh, for example, they'll have to eat a bowl full of hot dogs, top ramen, and milk, and then riding a gyroscope thing, eating more, then going onto a trampoline where they're bounced around. The goal is to be the last person on the show who vomits. All right. Oh, so they totally stole that from Family Guy. Is, yeah, I'm I'm all over that. Yeah, that's it. We'll have we'll have to get somebody on the program. We're to gonna have to get that. Richie to be a participant on that. I like the way you think, Sarah. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, then an Australian man was operated on at a hospital Sunday when surgeons removed 16 stainless steel washers from Down Under. Is this a penis region. watch? I suppose it would be, yes. Wait, which Down Under are they in uh, or on? Uh, down Under in Aus- Australia. Well, it's... <laughs> let's, let's, here's your... Uh, Take a look at my I think this might be a penis, penis watch. Oh, you're right. We have duplicate stories here. Well, let me, hold on, let me look at this one. I took a look at my enormous penis. Everything is going my way. Well, this is interesting. Let me read you this one that I've got. Okay. I think these are different takes on the same story. This one is from... You both look for the same things, apparently. <laughs> yes, it is. It's exactly true. Uh, it's from Fox News. How sad, by the way, that completely independent of one another in different rooms on different floors, we're both looking... I've got to have this one. <laughs> got to have it. <laughs> it's a story. Do you guys just Google penis and news? <laughs> People send me penis stories without me asking. I Google penis. I get penis stories all the time. I Google penis every I don't morning. have to Google them. They're sent to me. <laughs> I never have to Google penis stories. Ugh. All right. So this is from... <laughs> and that's like an angry sort of grunt from court right there. Um, Fox, FoxNews.com. <laughs> to me, I find that's the funniest soundbite of the day right there is that one from court. I don't know why. <laughs> All right, um, this is from Fox News. Now, listen to how vague this is, though. Mm-hmm. Surgeons removed 16 steel washers. What would you think if I read, if you didn't know this? Surgeons removed 16 steel washers from man's, quote, nether region, end quote. An Australian man was operated on in Hornby Hospital in Beira Sunday, where surgeons removed 16 steel washers from down under. Aren't washers usually small? 
I'm looking at a succession of washers here, and they—they they, they can be big. They don't really state they can, who they the. They make big washers. Uh-huh. They don't state who the man is, but one must feel sympathy for whoever his partner is, because really, I think washers are not all that big, generally speaking. It says it was not clear how the man's situation arose. Um, so it says it 90 it's just well go ahead now now read your version of the story which i think adds some specificity to this this comes to us from the sunday telegraph a man was operated on in hornby hospital early today to remove 16 stainless steel washers from his penis the rescue officers were called to alleviate the man from his awkward predicament at 3 a.m it's unclear how the situation arose the man may uh, well have thought long and hard about uh, placing himself in this difficult situation Fire officers spent more than an hour unsuccessfully attempting to remove the washers <laughs> before the man was taken to an operating theater at 4.30 a.m. Surgeons took him on 90 minutes to remove the washers uh, using fire brigade equipment. Ouch! Like the jaws of life? I'm, that's exactly oh, what I'm assuming is the painful. jaws of life. Oh. Uh, that would be the jaws of pain. A hospital spokesman said equipment normally used to remove rings from fingers was ineffective because of the thicker nature of the washers. The man's in satisfactory condition. It is believed that the only lasting damage may be to his pride. Okay. There's your penis watch for a... Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. Everything is going my way. (laughs) Here's Tim Riley. A man was arrested for robbing a Starbucks when he returned two days later to sit and have a cup of coffee. A 42-year-old man was wearing the same yellow gloves. I guess you would be noticed with yellow gloves. How many people have red backpack and wire room glasses he allegedly wore during the robbery? He ran away when he was found by a detective who was in the shop quizzing the staff about the raid in Boulder, Colorado. The suspect quickly turned around and walked out of the shop, but Detective Kurt Foster gave chase, caught him, and pulled him to the ground. He's not to be responsible for a number of robberies over the same weekend. This email says, Rick, I think the puking noises are comedy gold. Even if you can't see the person retching, vomit is a fundamentally varied process. This is why I love our audience, by the way. Therefore, you can't predict where it starts and is going to end. And it's funniest when it keeps going. After the initial blarg and splat, you can't really predict what's going to happen next, as people and situations will never be the same. That's why the tornado guy is so great, even just in audio form. He just keeps going, and his retching changes in pitch and sustain. And your mind tries to figure out what's going to happen next and when it's going to end. This is why flatulence is not funny, Rick, unless flatulence starts out really loud and ends squeakily, in which case it's hilarious. All right, thank you for putting so much thought into that, sir. We appreciate it. Here's Tim Riley. Did you know that men prefer being solo over being in a bad marriage? This from a recent study. This is a survey of over 1,500 heterosexual men. Uh, it is a book aimed to give women an insight into why some smart, successful men opt to stay single and help lifelong bachelors understand why they are still the solo man at parties. Most men are not afraid of marriage, but they are afraid of a bad marriage. Men are ten times more scared of marrying the wrong person than getting married at all. This is the first generation of people who've grown up in bad divorces. People assume there's something wrong if you don't get married. But these men have made the difficult choice and have not given in to social pressure. This is a new book, so why have you never been married? Gives ten insights into uh, why he hasn't been married. It comes with a growing trend of more people to stay single for life. They're less social. They don't like people. Uh, and uh, they don't join religions. And most people don't tie the knot if they haven't. Uh, U.S. figures show that in 1980, about 6% of men aged in their early 40s had never been married, but this n- number has now risen to 
So that's uh, 27 years, 28 years ago. About 8% say they never want to marry. 62% want to marry, but they won't settle for anything less than perfection. And about 30% uh, say they're on the fence about it. All right. Let's do uh, one more here, then we'll take a break, and we'll be perfectly on time. Is that a promise? Then let's do this Britney watch. Here's your Britney watch for uh, Monday on the Rick Emerson radio program. <laughs> singer Britney Spears is still incapable of making decisions for herself. This according to the Los Angeles Superior Court Commissioner reviewing her case. A 26-year-old singer is court-appointed attorney Samuel Ingram and attorneys for the pop star's father and conservative Jamie Spears spent 90 minutes in Commissioner Reba Goat's chambers. Uh, Ingram uh, told the court that the client's medical condition is fluid because her treatment is changing. The singer's probable uh, case is slated to go on trial July 31st but her attorney said it could be harmful for her to participate. However, after another long afternoon in the courtroom, during which the singer's medical and psychological condition was reviewed in length, the commissioner ruled that Britney's help continues to be somewhat tenuous, and she is still incapable of making decisions for herself. I do fear that we've left the Britney Spears golden age. I really do kind of worry about I that. I think so, too. Like, all of them. I mean, it's been so boring. Britney, uh, Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton. I was just thinking about that yesterday, actually. Uh, I was thinking, I was reading some news article about TMZ, and I was thinking, it seemed like we went through a real... We went through... It a, peaked. It started with Anna Nicole Smith. And, it, and then Paris going to jail. Yep. And what would you say was the last... So you think it started with Anna Nicole Smith? Remember that day when Anna Nicole Smith died? What a great day that was, so, you know, so to speak. I mean, for us, journalistically speaking. Mm-hmm. What an action-packed day. It was. My favorite day. Uh, My favorite day was Britney shaving her head. Oh, sweet Lord, that was a beautiful day. Now, were we on the air when that... We were, because oh, I texted yeah. you about it. Oh, yeah. And then there was the day that Paris went to jail. She actually wasn't here that day. Screaming to jail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, would you say, what would you say is sort of when the TM, the golden gossip era ended? Uh, What was the last big, really salacious, scandalous thing that happened? I'd say Lindsay Lohan, like, going, getting sent to rehab for, I think. See, I I don't even remember that. I don't remember when that happened. I remember Britney doing the hit and run or something. I don't remember. See, I don't remember that either. That was after Britney's vagina gate. That's. The vagina gate. The, um, be like the China syndrome. Vagina syndrome. (laughs) Jack Lemmon, Jane Fonda in vagina syndrome. Okay, we really missed it. We really missed a parody at that point, Tim. Okay, it's always come back. Pretend it never happened. (laughs) Attention, vivid video. Please just take that and make a porn film out of it. Jack Lemmon in vagina syndrome. Uh, so, but, so I remember Britney showing her period underwear. Oh. Um, that is the last. That's the that last didn't really thing to catch me. on. That wasn't as you know. Is that before or after she went into the nut house? I think that was before. Okay, that so, was right before. I'm so, sure. the, so remember she was taken to the nut house and then released and then they took her back to the nut house. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that might be the last thing. I think Brittany being forcibly incarcerated at UCLA when Do- that was the time when Doctor Phil tried to go see her. I think that might be the last great happening. Uh, you know, of the gossip, of the, of the most recent gossip era. It'll probably kick in again at some point. But it seems like everybody's sort of growing up and, and just or, or being kept under wraps by their PR people. You know what I mean? Like Nicole Richie's got a kid. People have just quit looking at Paris Hilton. 
Lindsay Lohan is burned out to the point that she strips off her her pants and everything. Vanity Fair, and nobody and cares Ritchie about it. All like boring and like you know. Yeah. All- uh, Britney's parents are keeping her locked up and away from sight. There's really no one to make, and there's nobody famous enough to to really care about. I mean, you look at TMZ, and it's just a bunch of it's like I the Kardashians like, or whatever, and I, totally, who I don't even I'll really like care about. Show people. Mm-hmm. So there's really nobody famous enough to 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 make a big splash when they do something crazy. So I think we may have. I think you're onto something. I think we may have ended the sort of the, the you know the the early uh, 2000s gossip era. Well, that's a shame. All right. Oh, part two. Rumors that Britney's pregnant have been stuffed out, literally, and she has been photographed indulging in a cigarette. The pop rack has been the target of baby rumors after being snapped on various occasions with a round tummy. However, the singer ended speculation after she was snapped puffing on a cigarette. Wait, let me understand this. The proof that she's not pregnant is that she was caught smoking. Uh-huh. This is the same Britney who routinely drives around with her kids unbelted on her lap as she goes through red lights. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And how sad, by the way, that they assume she was pregnant just because she's got a round tummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, she's been we... seen uh, puffing on a cigarette. She's also enjoyed various sessions at her gym. All right. That's it. Uh, this email, let's just wrap it all up with this. Rick, I work down here at a giant electronics company, and to complete my day, uh, I'm sorry, and to send daily stories to Tim, I always Google penis, along with feces, rectum, anus, and scrotum. If you guys don't hear from me again, they finally started checking my email. There you go. All right, back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. All right, back after this. Don't go anywhere. The universe giveth, the universe taketh away, Sarah. All right. Oh, that's a bummer. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming. Well, I meant the opposite. In your case, it was the the universe taketh away, then giveth. Whatever. I think my microphone needs to be fixed. Are you still missing one of the little arm things? Yeah, I keep meaning to mention it it to Matt. Yeah, how does it even stay up? I feel bad, though, because Matt's got like 500 things that he's trying to do right now. He's got that whole construction going on over there, and then he's got a lot of processing issues and so forth. All right, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. You know, during the break, we were just talking about, I won't identify who, but we were just talking about um, how when you know somebody, uh, when you you know somebody from an ugly or awkward period in their life, and I don't mean emotionally, I mean when they were ugly and awkward, when you know somebody from when they were unattractive, and then even if they grow up to become physically attractive, you can never get past the fact that you <laughs> knew them can't shake it. when they looked like a lab experiment. I uh, We were talking about somebody in particular we know who may uh, may at some point... I don't believe so. You, you don't think... I don't see it. You don't think he's ever going to become attractive. <laughs> uh, but even if he did, you could never get past the fact that you know him now when he's weird and gangly and freakish looking. Mm-hmm. It's strange how those things stay with you. And the only reason I bring it up again is because it triggered in my head the memory of... Remember we were talking last week about everybody had that one person that sat next to you in class that like what, took that, that figured out bathroom training a little bit later than everybody else. So there was this girl I won't name her because she's a very 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 distinct name. She's probably in fact the only person I've ever known with this name. Uh, so it, it would sort of reveal all to give even her first name. But we'll call her Carrie. And Carrie sat next to me uh when i was i think in first grade and then she sat near me in second i mean she went she was in school all the way through us uh all the way through our catholic school she was there and i think she ended up going to my high school as well um 
But she was the girl that, for whatever, you just couldn't get the bathroom habits together. And so you'd be sitting there in class, and then there'd be that telltale stink uh, of, like, Carrie, who would just somehow, it had never occurred to her to raise her hand to go use the girl's lavatory. And then there she is, just like a weird, you know, just just smelling of urine. Oh, uh, see, our, our peer was a guy. Yeah, no, we had a guy, too. We had a, okay. a guy named, uh, well, his name is Rob. I'll just say that. His name is Rob. And, Mine was Justin. Yeah, and just, and you're, you're sort of like, and you look back now, and you go like, well, what was that about? Was that like some weird emotional issue where... Like some some bizarre attention getting thing. I know I'll just sit and pee my pants while I'm in class. But anyway, but as time went on, when we went, we ended up going to high school. And I think she went to my high school for maybe two years, and then she moved across town and went to the other high school. But apparently, and I say apparently because I could never get past the fact that she was that girl. Apparently, she became like a real knockout. Uh, like guys would sort of talk about that Carrie boy. She's a ten, and it, like they were guys were all kind of hot for her. And apparently, she was just. I guess she turned into a real babe. But it's one of those things. But it's like trying to it's like trying to judge whether one of your brothers or sisters is good looking. You just can't because it's you know because mm-hmm. it's a silly. You can't think like that. Well, like you just can't get your brain to sort of view them that way. So it is with this girl. I could never get myself to really accurately assess whether or not she was attractive. Maybe she was, but you know what? I, to this day, I would never be able to engage with her in that way because I just remember her sitting there and like wetting her pants next to me, in, like as you know, as like an eight and nine year old. It's all very weird. Hmm. All right, um, so we've got somebody asking if we're going to be talking about loss today, and here's the thing. So we will not be talking to Peter Carlin until tomorrow, but we probably don't want to wait until tomorrow to get your thoughts on loss, just because I mean, it's going to be like five days ago. So, because uh, it was the season finale. It's the season finale. I still haven't seen it. My friend who has a DVR, long story short, he recorded it. His, his parents had a DVR, so then he was gonna, we were going to go over there, but then his dad works overnights, and his dad was sleeping in the basement where it was recorded, so we couldn't watch it. So... Yeah, I'm going to watch it this afternoon on my All laptop. Right. Well, okay, then we'll discuss it, I guess, briefly. I'm sorry. With... Yeah, with Peter. Well, 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 see, and it's me. convenient because we don't have Peter on today anyway. That's we're true. We're going to have him tomorrow. All right, so we'll talk about it tomorrow, and I guess, you know, if it's and at some point in the show, we're just going to have to come up with some sort of rule about what is a spoiler and what isn't a spoiler. I had somebody who yelled at me the other day because we gave away the ending to The Devil's Advocate, which is uh, an Al Pacino film. I swear to God. I don't Christ. even remember the ending. The because doesn't she get her head cut off? Well, Sorry. she cuts her own head off. Okay, that's Remember, because she gets left at the mental institution because the, the demon ladies make her crazy. See, and I really don't remember. That's Charlize Theron, right? Yeah. But the movie's goddamn 14 years old. Get past it. Uh, so that's like when people are yelling at me for giving away Lord of the Rings. But the book came out at night. The book's 50 years old. So at some point we'll have to figure out some rule about what is a spoiler and what is not a spoiler. All right, uh, so we have two things here. Uh, we got Tim Riley coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, then we have today's top five. Top five songs featuring the Bo Diddley beat. Um, before we do that, we should probably try to get our bumper music labeling done today. And then also uh, we had a high concept Thursday topic that I think we'll do today because otherwise it's just gonna because it's gonna be Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. So today's high concept topic. Let me get this ready. Let me get the music ready. One moment here. High concept. And this is Sarah who brought this high concept to the... Uh, All right, I shall, yeah, I shall tell you my original one then. All right. I'll stick with that one. Uh, so today's high concept topic, don't call quite yet. Uh, today's high concept topic is, I think less of people who watch blank. That is uh, today's high concept topic. I think less of people who watch blank. It is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 733-2970. And you started it with? Oh, I don't want, I don't know if I want to say my original one, though, because what if there are lots of people who I care about who watch That's it? That's fine. Okay, it's true. Grey's Anatomy. I don't get it. I watched it. It seemed just like the biggest piece of dreck. Every single person on there, minus Patrick Dempsey, who's 
beautiful. Like, I mean, he is a beautiful man. Yeah, but that blonde, that blonde girl, like the little anorexic looking one, and all of them, all the characters just seem. You know, the, here's the reason horrible. that I that I don't like Grey's Anatomy, and I tried, I really did, uh, because Grey's Anatomy seemed to be like one of those uh, one of those it shows about which everybody was talking, uh, and so uh, Laura and I rented. The first season on DVD, and I think we got about, and you know, on DVD you can sort of power through a bad show uh, and get further into it. Like if you were watching it on television as it aired, you give a show like that one week, maybe two. On DVD, because you're already sitting there on the sofa and it's already in the DVD player, you can give it like five, six episodes. Uh, And so we watched, I would say, four or five hours of Grey's Anatomy just because I wanted to like it because I kind of knew that everybody would be talking about it. Mm -hmm. And man, I, I... I, actually, the first disc, I was just like, F this. I can't, because it's it was Sandra just... Sandra Oh, and like, all and of them. And the thing them. is, I kind of like her, too, because I liked her on Arliss. And oh, I didn't care for the movie Sideways. I thought she was good in the movie. I liked her on Hard Candy. Man, I just... The thing about Grey's Anatomy is it's just cutesy. It's just so unbelievably cutesy, and it tries so hard to be quirky. And the biggest... The biggest thing that we, you recognize when you watch Grey's Anatomy is how big of a shadow Allie McBeal casts. That is so right, because they're trying to do that kookiness, and they're not. It's heavy-handed and they're overacted and They're whimsical, crappy. and whimsy is the hardest tone to maintain, I would think. And I know this sounds like a really highbrow conversation to be having about a show. I'm just saying, Allie McBeal, uh, and to a, uh, you know, in a different sense, Arrested Development sort of nailed the whimsical tone. And Grey's Anatomy tries to do that, and it just doesn't work. So uh, we will now uh, take your calls on today's high-concept topic. It is 503-733. Two nine seventy five zero three The high concept topic today is I think less of people who watch blank. And speaking of like the music, the Dexter music, I just want to tell you I've got through like five chapters of Darkly Dreaming Dexter. How great is that? Book? Amazing. I book. got the second book, kind of waiting for. Oh it, no! All right, I'm sorry. So. Continue. Shall we do the bumper music labeling and then go to the calls, or sure. do you want to do the calls first? Yeah, I have the All right. ready to go. Well, let's just do this. If you're on hold, hang tight. We'll get to you in just a moment for today's high concept topic. Uh, let's go through and uh, label a few of these bumpers, though, because that's sort of one of our ongoing, one of our ongoing little bits of business on the show. Oh. Ow! Wow! <laughs> wow! Ow! That was loud. I'm so sorry. Literally. I forgot it isn't playing off of AB1. I was very nearly <laughs> blown off my feet just there. I apologize to everybody on the stream who's now deafened. <laughs> Jesus. That was you last week, though, remember? All right, this, of course, is Rainbow in the Dark by Ronnie James oh, Dio. Yeah. All right. See, wouldn't you, out of anything, would you rather be deafened by Dio? Jesus. Deafened by Dio. One man's journey. All right, yeah, that is Rainbow in the Dark by Dio. Dio. Ah, all right. Sorry, dude. It's okay. Doesn't Dio mean God? I had to Dios, I guess. All right. I thought Diablos means the devil. No, that's the devil. All right. Because Ronnie James Dio is both God and the devil. All right, so that's uh, bump music number one. Uh, here is number two. Uh, this is Fields, uh, Fields of Avonrye by the Dropkick Murphys. I know it's heresy, but this is my favorite version of this song. I know that everybody's supposed to like the original, like, folksy 1970s version or whatever. But this really is a definitive telling of the song to me. All right, fantastic. So, yeah, Fields of Athenry uh, by the Dropkick Murphys. Oops, crap. Got it. All right. Just entertain yourself. All right, I'll just amuse myself over here. So we will uh, go to the phones here in just one moment for High Concept Monday. Uh, today's High Concept topic is, I think less of people who watch blank. All right. All right Let's do like one more here and then we'll All go right. to the uh, phones. Oh, this is um, this is the Groovy Ghoulies. 
I think this is actually just called Groovy Ghoulie, but it's spelled out. So you can just call it Groovy Ghoulie by the Groovy Ghoulies. Kepi Ghoulie was actually in town on Saturday with the Queers. I almost went to see it and then I didn't because we ended up going to that uh, the Grindhouse Trailer Festival. The Queers, well, because it was the same time as the Grindhouse Trailer Festival, uh, which we really wanted to see. And just and after getting out of the Grindhouse Trailer Festival, we were going to go see the Queers, and it's just I didn't. I was kind of in a grumpy mood. I was kind of in a bad mood, and I was sort of feeling just, uh, you know, I don't know, just a little bit whatever. And it's just, it was just a Tiracon, and I didn't, just didn't want to go be in a small, hot, dark, loud room full of punk. Uh, it was just, I was not in the right mood for it. But it was, it was Kepi Ghoulie and the Queers and like three other bands, and I just, I just didn't, I didn't feel like schlepping all the way across town to see my that. Friend but I mean, Ducky plays uh, drums for the Queers sometimes. Really? Mm-hmm. I do. I mean, I do love the Queers. I love to do one of my all-time favorite bands. But I just, uh, I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. All right. It is High Concept Monday. Today's High Concept topic at 503-733-2970. I think less of people that watch blank. Hello, sir. You're on High Concept Monday. How are you, Rick? Hello. How can I help you? Okay, so mine is going to be American Idol. And my reason behind that is my wife watches it. She's in medical school. She's going to be a doctor, yet she finds this entertaining and actually good music. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's terrible. I, I, I think anyone that watches American Idol, I'm sorry if there's anyone in the studio, Sarah, whatever. <laughs> oh, just absolute god-awful. I just want to throw a brick to the TV. Good I for won't, you, because I like my TV. But It's good to have strongly held opinions. Well, it's just, it sucks. And how do you call yourself a musician if you can't play an instrument, you don't write your songs, I, it just it perpetuates the, the crap. The thing so. about, about American Idol, almost exclusively among television shows, is how polarizing it is in that... You know, people who watch American Idol are really fanatics about it, but people who dislike American Idol do it with a, just a fiery intensity that is almost unrivaled in humanity. Oh, oh yeah. There's, there's not much more I hate besides that. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. All right. Later. All right. Today's high concept topic, I think less of people who watch blank. Hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. I would say Big Brother. Now, I think we're going to see a strong showing from reality shows in this uh, segment. Why Big Brother specifically? I just think, you know, it's kind of like the world... I, I can't understand it. It makes my skin crawl. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like, oh, let's play for the cameras. And it's just... Bah! Do you find it... Does it make your skin crawl because you find it uh, creepily voyeuristic or because you dislike the people? It, in other words, do you dislike the show because you like dislike the people on the show? Yes. All right. Because they're so stereotypical. I mean, well, most reality shows are. You, you, you got the... The him and the her and the kind of in between and the bad guy and the good guy and the the good girl who wants to be a bad girl and the bad boy who just can't, you know, keep it in his pants. And it's just, it's boring. Now, is, is there a prize on, on on Big Brother? Is there some sort of, like, are they okay. playing for something? Oh. Yeah, I think it's money. Right. I, I, I don't think I've actually even ever watched a finale. All right, excellent. Good for you. Thank you. Thanks. All right, it is High Concept Monday. Today's High Concept Topic, I think less of people who watch blank. Hello. Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Not so much Jeopardy, yeah. but Wheel of Fortune. Anybody who doesn't turn the channel after Jeopardy's over should be beaten. All right, thank you. All right, there you go. You know, the thing about Wheel of Fortune is the singular blandness of Pat Sajak, who really may be the most uninteresting person to be fantastically famous. There's just... I, I, there's something about Pat Sajak... It's almost like he's not even there. That's exactly. He, he reminds me of just some kind of like invisible reptile man. He is kind of a placeholder on television shows. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Uh, today's high concept topic. I think less of people who watch blank. Survivor. 
It has to be Survivor. What if it's because... Survivor Well, <laughs> even the very first season, you know, I never watched one episode and somebody, I go, well, who's left? And they go, the old man and the gay guy. I go, the fat gay guy is going to win, you know. <laughs> and the fat gay naked gay guy won. And, you know, I, I would rather... You know, read cereal boxes and watch that. Good. And I'm addicted to television. I've never watched that show. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. Have a good right, day. Thank you. High Concept Monday. I think less of people that watch blank. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. If they don't have children or if they do? Who cares about... Uh, who? Get, I if mean, they, it's, If they don't have children... You're, you're, entitled, like... you're entitled to your opinion, but why get cranked up about SpongeBob SquarePants? Uh, it's just people that try to be, you know, like edgy and ironic, trying to... Oh, watching kids' shows and stuff like that. Here's the exception I would make to that rule. I'm just saying, for me, I would make the exception for stone college kids. Because when you're a stone college kid, really, I think you're allowed to watch any number of things that otherwise, that either earlier or later in life, you're not really allowed to watch. Yeah, I guess I could see that. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. Uh, high Concept Monday. Uh, I think less of people who watch blank. The movie Jackass and its sequel. All right. Thank you. Speaking of which, we're going to be giving away Jackass DVDs this week. <laughs> we will be giving away the Jackass tribute to Evil Knievel later on this week, so be listening for that, sir. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. I think less of people who watch blank. Music videos. I, I just think in general, and I'm not talking about live videos. I'm talking about these little three-minute movies that are badly written, badly acted, badly shot, and, you know, full of basically people singing at me. How old are you, sir? I'm 39. 39. So you're right in the demographics who have loved music videos, though. I, I was I was right there when MTV came out. And I realized probably mid 80s that you know what this is all just crap. <laughs> all right, thank you. All right, all right. We'll do three more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. I think less of people who watch blank. The original reality shows, those awful televised court things like Judge Judy and oh, all that garbage. <laughs> the People's Court. And my my intelligent husband loves that crap, man, and I, I just want to smack him. And the last time I was back in Provo to visit my in-laws, and my mother-in-law just sits there, and that's what she watches all day long, is like the Judge Judy, Judge Joe Brown. And I don't even think it's Judge Judy anymore. I think it's like any number of sort of spinoffs. And the People's Court, who is now hosted, which is now hosted by some other person completely, and it's just like the lowest possible rung of society screaming at each other about a $75 debt of some kind. I mean, it really does make you just weep for weep for the future of this country. I got yelled at for throwing out a, a VHS tape that had some distant relative of his on one of those awful shows. <laughs> we used to work with a guy who had actually been on the people's court, or no, on divorce court, actually. Uh, no, 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 it was... Um, Oh, yeah. That guy, uh, one of our salespeople upstairs at the time who had been on the uh, on divorce court with his wife. I mean, you know, it's just... All right, thank you. Uh, we'll do uh, two more here. High Concept Monday. I think less of people who watch blank. Uh, Dr. Phil, and specifically those that think Dr. Phil actually means to do good. Don't you kind of want to talk to people who are really into Dr. Phil and find out exactly what what they're getting out of it? I don't know where I'd find those people, though. Do you know anyone who's really into them? It's sort of like the people who are into Celine Dion, where you know that they must exist because she sells records, but I've never really known anybody like that. I know a lot of women who are into Oprah, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I can see the appeal of Oprah. The appeal of Dr. Phil is a little more mystifying to me. My good friend, his wife, now ex-wife, believe it or not, dragged him onto that show because they had some family issue and they quickly found or he quickly found out that it was just crap oh yeah no it's at least with jerry springer you get the feeling that you're getting it's a little more honest of a take on things you know what i mean he's completely upfront that he's crap but dr yeah. phil no all right thank you my friend final call today for high concept monday i think less of people who watch blank 
Deal or no deal? With Howie Mandel. They're opening goddamn suitcases, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> There's no show there. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing ever. Excellent. Thank Idiots. you. Bye. Oh, thanks, Rick. That's the best way to end it. Very good. Well done, sir. Come back after this with Tim Riley and today's top five. Top five songs featuring the Bo Diddley beat. Stay there. It's the Rick Everson Show. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Rick, this email says, I think less of people who watch vomiting videos. Touche, miss. Touche. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A computer spell checker ran amok. Christianing, uh, christening several Pennsylvania high school students with new and, in some cases, unflattering last names. Spell checker? Mm-hmm. I barely knew her. Middletown Area High School's yearbook listed Max Zupranic as Max Supernova, Kathy Carbaugh as Kathy Airbag, <laughs> Alexandra <laughs> Ippolito as Alexandria Impolite. I know a girl. mention a few. I knew a girl we called Airbag. The mistakes were found on four of the yearbooks, 176 pages, say it's co-editor Amanda Gummo. Amanda Gummo. Miss <laughs> Gummo says it happens all the time every year. Look at any yearbook in the country. Said <laughs> Miss Gummo. <laughs> Amanda Gummo. Uh, okay. Uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia police say a man used a rock and a fish's weapons in a bizarre assault at a convenience store. Marcellus Coleman is also accused of exposing himself during the robbery of 7-Eleven in Fredericksburg. The 21-year-old got into an argument with three people outside the store, threw a rock at one of them. Uh, then he allegedly retrieved the fish from his car, threw it, hitting a man in the face. He also threw beer bottles and then, with nothing off to do, just exposed himself. <laughs> he features a number of charges, including a decent exposure. I have run out of things to do. I'll show everybody my penis. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. All right. Fantastic. Oh, by the way, Howie Mandel was the voice of Gizmo the Mogwai in Gremlins. Who knew? Who knew? All right. I'm sure you're all curious to know that Tatum O'Neill has been released without bail following her arrest for drug charges in New York. She's 44. I thought she was a lot older than that. That's uh, age shaving. Mm, it must be. Anyway. She still looks decent, though. For all that drunk, she I mean, can keep on doing it for I all mean, I care. If you, <laughs> if you grade on the curve of somebody who's clearly on crack, she doesn't look all that bad at all. This is the first time she's gotten any publicity in years, so keep up the good work. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's do something else, shall we? Shall we do the top five, oh, Tim? Yes, that does sound five, all right. four, three. We've got somebody calling two, about Dr. Phil and then... Somebody who I think wants to call about Aaron's kilt on Friday. Well, we may or may not have time to get to that. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Tim Riley with today's top five. Ellis Bates, better known as Bo Diddley, was a true rock and roll innovator, without whom a large slice of American music would remain woefully undeveloped. By the way, somebody has already suggested that he begin referred to as Bo Diddley. Fine. All right, we will. Bo, His legacy continues. Bo, Bo, Bo Diddley. Uh, never mind. Never, never mind. Uh, there's a, a rhythmic style that bears his name. Join us as we count down these just a handful of his many musical stepchildren. These are the top five songs that use the Bo Diddley beat. So these are the top five songs using the Bo Diddley beat, and none of these that should be uh, should be pointed out are actually his songs. These are all just songs that derive from that style. Yeah. 
Uh, with honorable mention going to Johnny Otis and Willie and the Handjob. So this is a famous song from the 50s called Willie and the Hand Jive. My mom gave me a very stern lecture when I was a child because she believed it was Willie and the Hand something else. Not Jive. Isn't that what this was supposed to be about? I don't believe so. I thought it was a dance. Because he can walk and stroll and Susie Q and do the crazy hand jive, too. I do believe the hand jive is a dance. It would be impressive if it was the other hand thing as well. I suppose. I don't believe this is the original recording. I think this is a 1962 re-recording. I think the claps are new there. I, man, I loved this song when I was a teenager, though. I kind of went through the, like a like a weird 50s kind of R&B kind of phase when I was about 14 or so. I was a big fan of the song. Kind of a James Brown thing going on there. Standing on the top five songs featuring a bow diddly beats. Number five, Bow Wow Wow, and I Want Candy. And I know this is a song by the Strange Loves, but this is sort of the more definitive version, I think, of the song at this point. Didn't we play this just the other day for some reason? This is the one where their heads are sticking out of the sand on the beach, right? No, we were playing, this was in our top five uh, songs of the remake. They're more famous than the originals. There you go. It is amazing to think how much all of these songs just come directly from Bo Diddley and that sort of rhythmic style that he brought to the mainstream. It's a very primal thing. I mean, there's really no other way to describe it. It's a primal beat. Counting now the top five songs featuring a Bo Diddley beat. Number four, Bruce Springsteen. He's the one. From uh, the Born to Run album. It's because I think it's a stereo recording that I've squashed down the mono. Oh. It sounds like it'd be a good song. Yeah. <laughs> if only it wasn't recorded Joy Division style. <laughs> Counting down the top five songs featuring a Bo Diddley Beats. Number three, The Rolling Stones, Not Fade Away. This is uh, the version from the album Stripped, which I quite like. Uh, this is a Buddy Holly song, then sort of made famous by the Stones.
Five songs featuring the Bo Diddley beat, Tim Riley. Number two, it's You Two and Desire. Yeah. This is from uh, Rattle and Hum, I think. I'm not much of a U2 fan. This is a really great song, though. About this, about that whole beat, it's just like it's almost encoded into human DNA or something. There are these great stories they tell about uh, about Bo Diddley, him, the man himself, playing uh, at these sort of, you know, the sort of teen shows like they talk about in that thing you do, these sort of rock and roll festivals, where he would get on stage and he and his band would just start playing that dun 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 dun, dun, dun and where they would just play it literally for like 35 minutes. And kids would just start tearing seats out of the ground for no reason. Like, nothing was really happening. It was just that sound, and the kids in the audience would just hear it, and they would just respond. With just, like, not violence as such, but just going crazy. Primal urge. Yeah, I mean, there really is something sort of, you know, just very inherent uh, about it. Which is why it gets, you know, used so frequently. Top five songs featuring the Bo Diddley beat. Number one, George Michael and Faith. Oh, just a month away. Really cool top five. Yeah, it's interesting because these songs are all sort of across the spectrum. Yeah, I would have never put that together. I mean, it's the most famous beat in all of rock and roll. sort of tempting, you know, it's easy to sort of dismiss it and say, well, you know, it's just it's just one beat. How can it be that innovative? But I mean, none of these songs sound like any of the others. I mean, the songs all, I mean, this doesn't sound like Desire, and Desire doesn't sound like I Want Candy, and I Want Candy doesn't, doesn't really sound like Bruce Springsteen, She's the One, but it's all the same beat. And, you know, Bo Diddley's the guy who sort of brought it to the American mainstream. Can't ask for more than that. All right, we'll take a break. Tim uh, is gone. All right, and in a puff of smoke, he's gone. Tim Riley, uh, greatest newsman in history of the world, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour, all the way through like us. Stay there. Back after this.
the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Like us at 3, Michael Maris Show at 7. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Peter Carlin from the Oregonian and the executive producer of the upcoming G4 reality show, Pearl. Well done, Richie. Look at that. Good job, Richie. I guess not really a reality show. I guess it's just a game show. But it's. Uh, really, what would we do without him? Would you even know how to go about getting the I have no idea. Pearl? You know, the thing is, I don't even really know how he does I it. I don't know how he does it either. We should ask him. I almost don't want to have him give it away, though. That's true. Because, I mean, really, we just, we'll get to, we'll take some random calls here. So if you've been waiting to get on today's program, now's a good time to do it. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. What's that? You'd like to, Richie just typed a really crude comment about a man's area on the screen. I don't know why, why are you saying that phrase, Richie? What would ever bring, what would ever prompt you to type the phrase, wheel of foreskin? <laughs> I'm laughing though, so I guess it's a job well done. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We will take uh, some random uh, random calls to the end of the program. But um, so I just mentioned real casually earlier uh, that there was this show that they were going to be launching on G4 that was called Hurl, and it was some game show where they pack you full of disgusting food and then they make you like jump on a trampoline and the last person to vomit wins. And literally, like, I don't know, half an hour later, Richie comes in during the break. He's like, hey, so we're going to have that guy from Hurl on the show tomorrow at 1 and o'clock. And not just anybody, like the executive producer, right? Yeah, so good for you, Richie. Uh, so join us tomorrow when our guest will include the guy from Hurl, the show, uh, and uh, uh, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. All right, let's uh, do some telephone calls here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. What's up? Uh, hi, I was calling about uh, I'm one of those sad people who actually used to like Dr. Phil, but I wanted to explain myself and tell you why. Okay. I liked his uh, his whole spiel about personal responsibility, and it would just crack me up when people would be whining or, you know, talking about their problems and what they've been doing, and he always goes, how's that working for you? Now, did you watch Dr. Phil because you liked to see people who you perceive to be dumber than yourself being, uh, you know, being disciplined? Well, I don't know if I'd want to really word it that way, but yeah. But I'm just saying, I mean, well, I mean, no, I mean, I mean there's, no, there's no shame in that. Why do you think we watched Jerry Springer? I watched Jerry Springer the other night, actually. My wife and I sat on the couch and watched about 25 minutes of Jerry Springer. Why? Because it's good to see dumb people get what's coming to them. You can just say it. By the way, have, have you noticed that Dr. Phil has a diet book out? Have you also yeah, noticed that Dr. Bill Dr. That like that? I never, but, I never wanted to read that or get into that. Well, but him. have you I noticed just, that he also appears to be overweight? Yes, and yeah. I think that's, that's really. I now that he's going through a divorce, like how can you give relationship advice? Like, and, you know, you know who else yeah. appears to be really overweight is that Dr. Andrew Weil guy who appears who's like on the cover of every health book everywhere. You know what? I um I took a bunch of nutrition classes in school, and uh, one of my teachers who was like you know certified great nutritionist or whatever said that she was really sad because he kind of sold out. I guess yeah. he used to be really you know a good guy and honest, but now he's kind of just in it for the money. And, right. Yeah. Thank you, Jennifer. All right. Talk All right. Later. Uh, final call of the day. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hey, uh, question for Sarah. Yeah. Yes, sir. How does Jennifer Hudson hold up in Sex and the City as opposed to Dreamgirls? Um, you know, I haven't seen Dreamgirls, but I was just really nervous about them introducing a new character anyway. She, I, the first, like, ten seconds I didn't like her, and then uh, she fell right into her character, and she wasn't annoying at all. She was actually a really charming, good character. In Not a movie world. killer. We wouldn't have her if it wasn't for American Idol. Hey, uh, if you want to see Barack Obama's running mate, he's on. Now we'll never know. <laughs> What does that mean? It's so enigmatic. Damn you, tantalizing bastard! All right, uh, like us next. Michael Mara Show at 7. Join us tomorrow. Rick Emerson Show. I don't have time to do the closing credits here, do I? No, not really. Well, insert it all. You Thank should you know it by heart. All right. Thank you, everybody. See you all uh, tomorrow. 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes and everything. Bye now.